Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Got a fun stat for you. Coming in hot. Oh, here we go. Uh, ben Simmons has played three games this season. Uh, he's fouled out in two of them. He has 17 points and 14 fouls this season. Combined? Total. Well, total. He's got 14 fouls this season, 17 points through those three games. Jesus. Uh, And he's fouled out in two-thirds of the games he's played. That's what I'm saying, combined. That is an impressive stat for Mm -hmm. failure. I love hearing that about the Brooklyn Nets. I do. I do because, you know, it's still New York forever with me. The Knicks are going to find a way to get to the playoffs. I don't know how. Maybe they'll have to buy tickets, but we're going to make it happen. But enough about that, folks. Let's get into the sports edition of the ODPH. That's what you tuned in for. That is what we're going to bring to you. And if you want to keep that conversation going, and I hope you do, swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there with the T Public link, the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2. Got some swag. They'll be getting mailed out in the next few days. The Parlay Club coasters, oof, you want to add those to your collection. And it's very simple to do. You just sign up for the Patreon, and we go from there. The blog section, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 125,000. Sounds about right to me, and I'm not going to argue that. Also, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, and so much more. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the sports edition of the show we have to recap the week that was in the NFL with our locks and leaps picks. And, man, it was a little heartbreaking in certain aspects and uh, surreal in others. Mm-hmm. So, Pad, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into it. Who would you have this week? Yeah, so one of my locks I chose was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to defeat the Carolina Panthers. And I looked at this. I forget what the spread was, but it was enough that I'm like, you know what? This is this is plausible. You know, Carolina really doesn't have anything on defense. They just traded Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Robbie Anderson is gone. They had their third string quarterback, PJ Walker, you know, starting a quarterback. There's a rookie head coach. I'm like, this has got all the recipes, you know, not for necessarily a blowout, but you would figure an easy win. Mm -hmm. Apparently the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't get the same memo or the team forgot to travel because they did not show up for this game at all. Losing by the final score of 21 to three, uh, PJ Walker, 16 of 22, 177 yards passing two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Tom Brady, 32 of 49, 290 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, Rash- uh, Rashad White was your leading rusher for Tampa Bay. Six carries, 24 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, for Carolina, Deontay Foreman, 15 carries, 118 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, for receiving, Mike Evans was your leading catcher for Tampa Bay. Nine catches, 96 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, and for Carolina, DJ Moore, seven catches, 69 yards, one touchdown. So, Pad, let me ask you this question. Sure. I know this is going to sound wild. Sure. But, you know, we have some hot takes here on the ODPH. If I told you a quarterback had a stat rating of 32 for 49 for 290 yards, mm-hmm. would you say they're washed up? No, I'd say I'd say they're pretty good. You know, because I think most I think most co- good quarterbacks 
can get to 290. You know, the, the not-so-good ones might get there on a rare occasion if the circumstances are right. And the great quarterbacks should be able to get there in their sleep. So I would say if you're doing 32-49 for 290, I'd say you're, you're a pretty good quarterback. The amount of people that said this is the death knell for Tom Brady with that stat line is astonishing to me. Now, granted, I have been saying for a while, well, I think we all have, mm-hmm. Father Time is slowly catching up with him. Mm-hmm. He's managed to bob and weave enough that he could not get grabbed. But now I think that the hold is starting to get a little tighter for him. Yeah. In this situation, it's it's a bad game for him because we're so used to him being great. That now that transition is he's still a good quarterback, I don't know necessarily if I would say at this stage in time he's an elite quarterback, but I think the fact that you struggled getting more points on the board against a Carolina defense that has not been great this season at all, Mm -hmm. that is without, on the offensive side, Christian McCaffrey, who was traded to the San Francisco 49ers, Yep, and in a duel against P.J. Walker, who had 177 yards but two touchdowns, that's the great equalizer. Right. It is a time, to, I guess I would have some concern mm-hmm. that the decline might be starting. Oh, the decline's there. Yeah, but now is like really in the public eye. Well, I mean, I'm looking at their record or their schedule, I should say, you know, and so they beat Dallas week one. But, you know, thing we got to remember with that was Dak did not play the entire game. Right. It was with Cooper Rush stepping in. So semi-asterisk that one you know they came back week two and beat the new orleans saints who let's face it the new orleans saints there's no sean payton michael thomas hi he's a fantasy t- uh player of mine i have played him maybe twice all season mm-hmm. he's been out most of the year kamara's not even uh playing half as decent as he does normally and and drew Brees is gone so that team is an absolute joke they're in last place in the nfc south uh, they lost to Green Bay 14-12, to which a good win for Green Bay at the time, but Green Bay has looked like absolute dog shit yeah. ever since. You know, they lost to Kansas City, which, okay, you figure as good as Kansas City has been playing. You beat Atlanta, which, let's face it, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Fucking awful. Uh, and then you came back and you lost to Pittsburgh. You yeah. know, who you lost to the Maserati. You know, who they really ain't got nothing going. And then you came back and you lost to Carolina, which, you know, the wild stat came down going into the game against Atlanta that Tom Brady had never lost three games in a row in his entire career. And then he the, he kept that stat going because he got the win. Well, here we are two weeks later facing the same stat again that he's never lost three games a row in a row in his entire career. I can't remember a time he's ever lost this many games this close together. He's certainly lost his fair share of games over the years. He's one oh, of the, sure. He's one of the most one of if not the most winning quarterback in the NFL history. But he's got his fair share of losses. And I know the Patriots for you know all the years they went you know whatever in three, whatever in two, you know, and then on the undefeated season they had their fair share of seasons where they had four losses, maybe even some five loss seasons, but never this space together. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not going to say he's done, he's washed up, put the nail in the coffin, but, you know, if, if we're talking the cart rolling down the hill, that cart has crested, you know, the summit of the mountain, and it's coming back down the other side because he still has it, you know, in, in you know, 290 yards, no touchdowns is a little concerning, but then 32 of 49. So that's still showing me he still has it, but just there's a disconnect between him and the offense, and then the defense is doing them no favors because I'm sorry. Deontay Foreman? Who? Chubba Hubbard? Who? DJ Moore? Who? 
Raheem Blackshear. Those were your guys who got rushing attempts on Sunday. And then in receiving, you had DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall Jr., Tommy Tremble, Deontay Foreman, Shaba Hubbard, Laviksha Chenault Jr., and Ian Thomas all got catches on Sunday. Are any of them really striking fear into you, you know, if you're going up against them in, on a Madden Ultimate team online? No. You know, so this is a defense, you know, that should have been able to handle the Carolina offense. And, and sure, you did for the first quarter. It was tied at, at 0-0 after the first quarter. But then they put up a touchdown in the remaining three quarters. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's concerning on both sides of the ball. And I don't know how you fix this. I don't know either. I think the Tampa Bay mystique is faded. Mm-hmm. I think that Tom Brady is now having a very cold dose of reality. And and we all knew this would come at some sure, point, you sure. know, when he left New England and then when he re- retired for all of, you know, a month. Yeah. You know, we all knew him like, hey, listen, in the back of your mind, even if you didn't think it actively, in the back of your mind, you're like, hey, listen, that cliff is coming. He's He's 45 years old. Not many quarterbacks play to this age. You know, it's going to come at some point. I just don't think any of us expected it to come this hard this quickly. I agree. And I think that this is going to be something for Tom Brady fans and Tampa fans to a degree, too. You're going to need to deal with a transition phase. And you're going to need to start getting it ready now. Yeah. I think the fact that you held on this long is a testament that you went all in with Brady. So, like, I'm not faulting them for this. This is not anybody's fault. But this is something that now moving forward – you're going to have to really take a look at for a couple reasons. One, are you going to be able to sneak into the playoffs? Probably. Maybe. I mean, I'm I'm looking at their next three games, and yikes. Yeah, that's going to be a situation because who they got? Uh, They have the Baltimore Ravens on this coming Thursday, the L.A. Rams the week after, uh, and then they are playing the Seattle Seahawks uh, at 930 on a neutral field on Sunday, November 13th, and then they have a bye week. So they, they could be looking at at least another two, possibly another three losses. Depending on how it plays out. I mean, Baltimore, yeah. Baltimore, I think, is going to be the bigger test for, for them out of everybody. Oh, Baltimore's going to smoke them. Yeah. I mean, the Rams, you, you don't know. Depends on who shows up. Exactly. Seattle is the yeah. ultimate underdog this season. Well, it depends on how Geno's playing and if DK Metcalf is playing because of his injury on Sunday. Right. So, I mean, like I say, they come in, they're playing with house money. So Absolutely. It, it doesn't matter for Seattle. I mean, they're not supposed to be doing this good. I mean, they're not having anybody yell, let's ride. But that said... It's a situation that for Tom Brady, you might not make the playoffs, and you might have to come to that realization that this is it. I'll say because they're currently, according to ESPN.com, are sitting in the number four slot, and they win the tiebreaker. They're ahead of uh, uh, New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, the L.A. Rams, and the San Francisco 49ers, uh, and then the Green Bay Packers are at nine, and it says next to Tampa Bay, it says wins the tiebreaker over Atlanta based on head-to-head win percentage. Yeah. It's an interesting play, man. I gotta say, I th- don't think Brady's used to this and how no. he's, how he's going to handle this moving forward. He's going to be the consummate professional. Like, don't get it wrong, but I think if he has another performance like this, where he's not getting any help from his wide receivers, I'm looking at Mike Evans dropping that wide open mm-hmm. touchdown too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, you are paid to make that. That is nobody's fault but your own. Yeah. You're going to need more out of that offense. You can't rely on Leonard Fournette to carry you every time. Well, and the and the other guys on the receiving court got to step up because, like we've said, Evans and Godwin are good, but they're downfield guys. 
Yeah. You know, they don't really have anybody that, you know, strikes me as an, oh, this is an over-the-middle guy. This is a guy that's just going to kind of stay in the short field or, like, you know, two, three, four yards out and and go through the heart of the defense and make those catches. I'm sorry, no, no offense to Kyle Rudolph. He ain't really doing nothing. You know, one catch, eight yards on one target. You know, so they ain't got nothing going on the tight end aspect of things, which Brady has thrived on for a decade. Yeah, he's just – there's a lot of struggle right now for him. And I don't think this is going to end very well for him, to no. be honest. Not saying this with the Buffalo Bills bias or anything, just being very honest. Yeah. That I think that now Father Time has caught him and the decline is starting. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, for Brady to throw nearly 300, yeah, that is saying something. That's but, good. But in the same token, you only put up three points. Yep. Against and, the, and they weren't. Very until, bad defense. And those three points weren't until the fourth quarter. Yeah. So that said, they got some work to do. Carolina, the fact that they're winning and. I don't know. Like without Christian McCaffrey, I didn't think they were going to be able to pull this off. But yeah, no, I, I certainly did. That's why I picked Tampa Bay. Was I was like, hey, listen, it's Brady. You know, they're not playing that great, but it's against a, a interim head coach, mm-hmm. a third string quarterback. You know, their star running back is gone, and one of their top receivers is gone. Yeah, I'm like, they ain't got nothing going, but yeah, they pulled it off. They definitely made something happen there. So interesting to see moving forward. Yeah, and, uh, their next three games, they've got the Atlanta Falcons, Cincinnati Bengals, and then the Atlanta Falcons again. <sighs> Yeah, it don't get any better because the game after that, they're playing Baltimore. Yeah, so Carolina, I mean, thanks for showing up. Yeah, That's all we can really say nice about you. Yeah. Next up on the docket. Uh, Yeah, so then we got my my other lock, which we're not going to spend long on this one, uh, was the New England Patriots to beat the Chicago Bears, which they didn't. Final score of 33 to 14. Justin Fields, 13 to 21 for 179 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, He did have 14 carries for 82 yards rushing, one touchdown. Uh, and then for New England, Bailey Zapp, uh, 14 of 22, 185 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Mac Jones, three of six, 13 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Uh, so the big thing with this is I was reading online that I want to say it was Devin McCourty, who is one of the captains on defense for the Patriots, said, you know, when asked, you know, what was some of the things that went wrong with this game? He said that they ran more like quarterback run plays than the Patriots had seen in game film. Mm-hmm. Which he said, you know, they probably took that after watching our game film of how the the Baltimore Ravens beat us a couple weeks ago, which, you know, that's the sense I got was, you know, watching the game was holy shit. You know, Justin Fields is running all over us like he's freaking Michael Vick in his prime, you know, but then, you know, so and, and they were holding him because it was like it wasn't like they're giving up, you know, the score would make you think, oh, they're giving up all these touchdowns. They really weren't, you know, it was like a couple of field goals in a row. You know, they got some touchdowns late, you know. So the defense was holding them. It's just the offense just could not get anything going. You know, Matt Mack, I think they brought back way too soon. I think they should have given him. Clearly, he could go. You know, he did have three carries for 24 yards rushing. You know, no touchdowns. He averaged eight yards a rushing attempt. You know, so clearly the ankle was good enough where he could go. But I think there was still some of that quote-unquote ring rust, you know, that that unfamiliarity, like, all right, is the ankle going to hold up or is it going to completely bust the first attempt I make this? You know, I think they brought him back too soon. And listen, I know everyone was high on Bailey's app. They showed a a couple of people in the stands wearing jerseys. People were showing or chanting the name. And and I had the thought during the game, you know, once he came in and had the back-to-back touchdown drives, you know, and, and they had the interception in between. I'm like, is he, and they brought up, they're like, oh, he hasn't thrown an incomplete pass. You know, he's he's got a great passer rating and all this. I'm like, is he really this good or is this just another Jeremy Lin situation where flashes of brilliance, but then he comes back down to earth and it, it's appearing it's the latter. I think it's a tale of two t- uh, 
game tapes here. One, I think, and wow, I can't believe I'm going to be saying this. I think Chicago outsmarted Belichick in the sense of using a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Belichick took him that seriously that Fields was going to be able to run on him as well as he did. Yeah. But 14 carries, 82-1, and one, averaging 5.9 a carry. Mm-hmm. So put that in perspective. This is something that you don't hear against a Patriots defense ever. No. So I think that Belichick might have taken him too lightly. Well, and I think they just weren't, like you said, I don't think they were expecting that from Chicago. Because no. you expect it from Lamar. That is Lamar's, sure. Lamar's bread and butter. Oh, absolutely. And Justin can run. He's mobile, but you don't expect him to be you know, like a run-pass option type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think the other tale of the tape here is... Chicago's defense played well against essentially two rookies. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's be honest, Mac is still coming into his own. Yep. Obviously, he is not Tom Brady 2.0. We've already no. established it. He's a very good quarterback, though. Yeah. I, I will say he's good. Not great yet, but he's good. Then you got Bailey, who let's face it is the Jeremy Lin of the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's no footage on him. It's just college footage, and you really can't equate that to the NFL. Right. And the one thing we always say is, no matter how bad an NFL team is, for the most part, there's a couple that are, you know, the jury is still out on. But for the most part, they are very professional about studying game tape. Mm-hmm. And they locked it in on a rookie quarterback yep. in, in Bailey. Yep. And Mac was not 100%, and they put enough pressure on him that he was making mistakes. The fact that Chicago's defense got three interceptions, that was big. Oh, yeah. But they were waiting, like, the one thing I noticed is they were waiting on him. Well, yeah, and the one interception was from Mac that he had absolutely no business throwing the ball the, yeah, way, I agree, he, the yeah. way he did. It was just like a chuck, a chuck it up in the air, and just you know he should have thrown it nine rows deep into the stands. You know, but you no, you're right. I, I think it's a case of there's finally footage. You know, there's three games worth of footage on him going into this game. You know, you had the Green Bay game where they messed around and they almost beat. Green Bay in overtime. Mm-hmm. There's the Detroit game, and then there's the Cleveland game. So, you know, you look at the Green Bay game. All right, Green Bay clearly didn't have any footage on this kid because he's the third stringer. You yeah. know, he's not coming in to go for even for garbage time. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're, they're having to go back to college footage, which, you know, again, hard to equate college oh, sure, play yeah. to NFL play. Day-night difference. You know, and so the same for Detroit. You're going off of what he did the week, which you know they're not showing. You know, it wasn't the game plan for him. It wasn't, you know, to his strengths and his abilities. So, you know, hard for Detroit. Detroit to game plan that clearly 29 to nothing went for uh, New England. And then you get to the Cleveland game. All right, there's a little bit of footage, but it's still hard to figure it out. You know, you're still sorting some things out. And so finally you get a team like Chicago who's coming off of a 10-day rest. Mm-hmm. And and now there's three, three and a half, two and a half, if you want to get technical with it, you know, games of footage on him that they have been studying because they know they know what the opponent is. It's not a secret. It's not like we're waiting until the Tuesday after the game to announce who your opponent is next week. They've had plenty of time to watch this and game plan for this, and they did. Yeah, no, they definitely were smart about it. And I think Chicago, too, understood primetime game. Like, there's something about playing on Sunday, sure. Obviously, Thursday night is not that important. Mm-hmm. We all know Thursday is. Thursday's garbage. Yeah, exactly. But there's still something about being on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. There's still something about being on Monday night. When you are on the nationally broadcasted game of the week, depending on what you want to look at it. Some people still hold Monday night in that equation. Sure. For me, it's Sunday night without question. When you're in a marquee game like that, you're going to show up. 
and you're going to absolutely not want to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. The Bears were coming in, and everybody was taking them as a joke, like me included. Like I'm, I'm gonna. Oh, say I did this, too. I'm gonna say this right now. I thought the Patriots are gonna run away with this one. Oh, I did too. But kudos to Chicago. They showed up for this. They did what they needed to do. They exposed very young quarterbacks mm-hmm. and took advantage of plays and mistakes they they made wrong. So you know what? Moving forward, this is a big win for them. They should celebrate it. The Patriots. They. It, listen, this is going to be a kind of transition year too because they got to yeah. really see what they get out of Mac, but he's been hurt. Yeah, nobody's really expecting them to make a Super Bowl run. No, I, I sure shit wasn't. This ain't a, this ain't Madden, right? But this situation that they got to evaluate the talent and see what they got moving forward. Yeah, I mean, looking at their next couple opponents, they've got the New York Jets this upcoming Sunday. Then they've got the Indianapolis Colts the week after before a bye week in Week Ten. Uh, week Eleven, they come back with a game against the Jets. Uh, and then for the Chicago Bears, they have got the Dallas Cowboys this upcoming Sunday. Then they've got the Miami Dolphins, Detroit Lions, and then the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Interesting times indeed moving forward. Mm-hmm. But that is not the only games that we got to talk about because we talk about these states of flux. We talk about this weird NFL season we live in. I mean, Chicago's lighting up the Patriots. Tampa Bay's getting routed. But those New York Giants. Yeah. How, Pad? How? I have no damn idea. The Giants pulled off yet another win to improve to 6-1, and one, uh, beating the Jacksonville Jaguars by the final score of 23-17. to 17. Uh, Daniel Jones, 19 of 30 for 202 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Trevor Lawrence, 22 of 43, 310 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, Saquon Barkley cracked 100 yards with 24 carries, 110 yards rushing, no touchdowns. Travis Etain Jr. did likewise, uh, 14 carries, 114 yards, one touchdown, though. And then receiving, you had Darius Slayton uh, as your leading receiver for the Giants, three catches, 58 yards, one touchdown. And uh, Christian Kirk finally putting his money where his mouth is. Seven catches, 96 yards, though, zero touchdowns. If you're new to the show, we were on Christian Kirk watch every mm-hmm. week. Every week. I am still astonished Yeah, that the Giants are finding a way to do this with so little talent. I mean this very sincerely, Giants fans. I know I'm going to get a lot of angry tweets about this, but let's be honest. Outside of Saquon Barkley, you ain't drafting anybody on that offense in fantasy. Exactly. Nobody cares about your wide receiver core, but yet you guys are finding ways to do this at the ver- at the bare minimum. Saquon Barkley is having a career year, to be honest with you. And like I know it sounds comeback player of the year, arguably crazy to say, but you're right, Pat. Exactly. He is doing this, and I will give credit to Brian Dabble. I will. Like I don't know how, what he's doing there. That he has got all this mystical luck going on. Because these games are not pretty to watch. No. They're very ugly football games. Ugly to the umpteenth degree. When Daniel Jones is trying to make a run and trips over his own feet you know, with a 30-yard gain, mm-hmm. it's that kind of weird football that the Giants are now accustomed to. The Giants don't have a double-digit win all season You know, of their six wins. Uh, one point, three points, eight points, five points, four points, and then doing some math, like six or seven, six points. Yeah. The only double digit, and Christ, even that's not a double digit. You know, they had the loss to Dallas. Their one loss is to Dallas, which was 23-16. Yeah, no. Even that's not double digit. Like, so they're not blowing. It's like you said, it's not pretty. It's not sexy, but you know what? They're winning. They're getting the job done. I mean, that's the one takeaway you have to say from this is the Giants are finding ways to win ugly. They're not a highlight real team by any means. No. But... I think 
this is a good thing. I mean, obviously, winning is good. I know somebody's going to be like, well, winning helps everything. It does, but especially for a team that, let's face it, has nothing, really. They don't have anybody that scares you. Saquon Barkley, if they just factored in everybody on the box and shut him down and make Daniel Jones beat you, they probably would be having a couple more losses. But somehow, some way, this team is doing it. And against a Jacksonville defense, listen, don't let the record fool you. They have talent on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. They're not great, but they have talent. Right. I mean, if I'm doing the eye test, they got a lot more talent than the Giants do. I'm just saying on the defensive side. Well, I mean, I th- I still think part of it is who they're playing. Just mm-hmm. because I'm looking, you know, I was looking at the, their record through the first seven games and who they played. Of those seven teams, three of them have a winning record. Yeah, you know, they beat Tennessee, which hey, kudos, week one. You know, you beat Tennessee, you lost to Dallas, who you know has a winning record. You know, and then they beat Baltimore by the fluke of all flukes. Because I'm sorry, on paper. Baltimore should beat the shit out of the Giants. Baltimore, we'll get to that when we talk about their game this week. I agree with you, though. But everybody else, outside of Tennessee, Baltimore, and Dallas, everybody else is losing records. Yeah. As we currently record. Exactly. I mean, they're pulling off that Denver run from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Now, I think when they get to some stiffer competition, because as it stands right now, they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They might, absolutely. They might not be number one seed in the uh, NFC least. <laughs> But, well, yeah, but the only thing that's going to come back to bite them, as we've said before, is that second-half schedule. Yeah, no, the, the second half going into November is going to get real tough because it's all division. Uh-huh, yeah. And, and as we've seen with Carolina and Tampa Bay this week, division games, it doesn't matter what your record is, people step up for them. Yeah, because currently, as we recorded, the Giants are the fifth seed in the NFC Conference. Yeah, which who honestly had that? On their NFL preview show, half the tri-state area down near the down near Manhattan. I mean, that's it. But and, then a, again, and a couple people up our way. Yeah, I mean, a couple people up. I know there, Coach, there is a fair Giants contingent up here up here where we record. Yes, Coach Duffy is leading them right now. That's why we're able to get him in studio. He's parading every Monday morning down. Uh, he's uh, uh, allegedly he's getting a Brian Dabble tattoo on his uh, arm. We've heard that to get matching one with Charlie Weiss. But that said. The Giants, like, listen, give them the, give them their due, give them their flowers. Yeah, they're doing this. It's just like we said, you're good now, and it's like we said in the NFL preview show. If the Giants want any sort, and we've said throughout the season, if the Giants want any sort of possibility into getting the playoffs, they need to do it early because looking at their schedule going forward, they've got the Seattle Seahawks this upcoming Sunday before a bye week in Week Nine. Their schedule after the bye week is Houston, Detroit, Dallas, Washington. Philadelphia, Washington, Minnesota, Indianapolis, and Philadelphia. So they've got one, two, three, four games out of those remaining, you know, however many that aren't divisional. The rest of them are divisional, which will make or break your season. Who do they got again before the division games start? Uh, it's Houston. Houston and, and Detroit. Okay, so I'm going to say a bold prediction. If the Giants win against Seattle... Mm-hmm. And then win those two games, they're they're locking in the playoffs. Okay, they're locked. Okay, no question about it. They'll they'll make a they'll have a seat. And then honestly, you'll see the real Giants when they face Philly. Like that's who you're going to see. The Dallas game is a good temp in the room, but Dallas is one of those teams too that let's face it is winning games that they probably shouldn't. Sure, they've had some players really step above and beyond their means, and that's great. Sure, but I think in comparison. This Giants team is going to get really tested 
after they start facing Detroit, after the Detroit game. That's going to be the real test. I'll say this. The Giants should make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but it all depends on what happens with Dallas because right now there are too many you know cars and not enough spaces with that NFC East. There's only so many playoff spots, and currently you have you know eight teams or whatever it is vying for a spot in, in the NFC conference. You know, so you just look at it. Okay, right now Giants are five, Dallas is six. But if they go, if they win the next, you know, two three games, you know, they're sitting at nine and one. Great. But then, like we said, they've got all those divisional games, which that's that's where the weird oddball stuff comes mm. in with the playoffs and the standings and all. They win a tiebreaker over this team because of X, Y, and Z. Sure. If they if they get these wins out of the way, they're setting themselves up great. They need to finish and execute and win. They're not going to win every game to close out the year. They'll probably lose some of them, but you need to obviously win more than you lose, and and that's where it, it could bite them in the ass is having all these divisional games in the second half of the year. I agree. I mean, that's going to be the temp in the room for them to really see if this team is a playoff team on paper or for real. That's going to be the answer moving forward. For Jacksonville, I mean, listen, let's face it. They're in a rebuilding phase yet again. They were in this game till the very end. Yeah. So there's some. I mean, shit. They almost pulled off the win at the end. Yeah. There's some. There's some positives to take away from this. But for Jacksonville, I mean, this is gonna be another losing season. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, this upcoming, looking at their schedule, they have the Denver Broncos this upcoming Sunday. I uh, believe this is over in England. Let's uh, ride. Yeah. It's nine thirty uh, on ESPN Plus. Uh, then the week after, they've got the Las Vegas Raiders and then the Kansas City Chiefs before a bye week in Week Eleven. Yeah, so that could be some ugly games moving forward. I'll say, who do we? What did we do to piss off? You know, or what did uh, London do to piss us off that we're sending Denver and Jacksonville? I don't know. Hey. I... And shit, it ain't probably ain't gonna be. Let's ride in, in London <laughs> with him. Him hurt. Yeah, Denver is just a hot mess right now. Speaking of Denver, uh, they were my other leap uh, because I mine too. Well, no, well, well, the Jets. The sorry. Jets were. Jets were our uh, other leap, and they played the Denver Broncos, who uh, the Denver Broncos lost to the Jets by the final score of 16-9. to Zach Wilson, 16-26, 121 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Brett Rifen. Who? Exactly. 24-46 of 46 for 225 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Brees Hall was your leading rusher for the New York Jets, four carries, 72 yards, one touchdown. However, he is done for the year, having blown out his ACL. So, uh, well wishes and recovery to you, good Absolutely. sir. Absolutely. Melvin Gordon, the leading rusher for Denver, 11 carries, 33 yards, zero touchdowns. Boy, I feel like an idiot picking him up on fantasy this week. Uh, Michael Carter was your leading receiver for the Jets. Uh, two catches, 45 yards, no touchdowns. God, these stats suck. Yeah. Jerry Judy was your leading receiver uh, for the Broncos. Seven catches, 96 yards, no touchdowns. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because this was an ugly game. Uh, in case you're curious, uh, Brett Reifen, because even I don't know who the fuck this kid is. Uh, he's a third-year player out of Boise State. Yeah. This game, honestly, the only unfortunate takeaway is Brees Hall's out the year. Yep. And that is terrible for the Jets. He has been the spark plug they've needed. Mm-hmm. I thought when the Bills had a chance to get him, they should have. But he was going to be a star no matter what. He was literally carrying this team on his back for these games. He was the explosive playmaker that they have been waiting for. Unfortunately, he is now out. They yeah. did trade for James Robinson from yep. Jacksonville. Yep. Take it for what it is. It's going to be a drop-off no matter how you want to spill it. Mm-hmm. But this was a game that proves 
without a question of a doubt, that Denver might be the worst team in all football. They're they're pretty bad. I mean, I know the trade rumors are swirling around a couple of their offensive guys, a couple defensive guys. Uh, I know Jerry Judy's name has been thrown in there, and I was reading a rumor. Now, Keeper, it's a rumor today, mm-hmm. but if Denver loses on Sunday, that you could start seeing some of the because they'd fall to three and five, two or excuse me, two and six. You know, so if they fall to two and six, you could start seeing some of those. I won't call them great pieces, but decent pieces dealt. I'm going to go on a more bold prediction. I think if they lose Sunday, their coach is fired. Could be. Uh, and I'm not wishing this, mind you. I'm re- Listen, I never like to see anybody get fired. But I could fully see that happening, that he is gone out the door. Uh, their head coach is currently Nathaniel Hackett, uh, who is in his Christ Almighty first year coaching uh, as a, the Denver head coach. Prior to this, he was the offensive coordinator up in Green Bay, the offensive coordinator down in Jacksonville, uh, and also the quarterbacks uh, coach in Jacksonville. He was the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator 2013 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, uh, he was an offensive coordinator for Syracuse, uh, the football team. Yeah, I remember when he was in Buffalo. Uh, I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, you are given Russell Wilson. That whole deal has gone up in smoke. That, yeah. That might be one of the worst deals in NFL history. If It's it's a, it's a fleece job. It's, it's what it's looking like. Yeah. Holy shit. To be honest, he is definitely not the same guy he was in Seattle. It's not. Well, it, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf help. Well, that's true. That does help a lot. But still, he had Judy in Denver. He in, Judy just needs a real quarterback to get him the ball. The fact that he doesn't have the weapons around him, and the only thing that we keep saying each week, because I just find it funny, is let's ride. It's the funniest shit ever. Yeah, because that's the only thing you can say about it. This is, no, like, you're riding off into the sunset because the season's a wrap. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. For anybody that thought that he was going to be able to make them a contender, listen, there was a lateral move from Seattle. But Seattle is looking like geniuses right now. Lateral move with maybe a half step back right now. Yeah, because Denver is just not in sync any which way, shape, or form. Their coach, like I say, every time I hear him talk, is just like, where are we going here? I mean, that's just my opinion. And for them to take a loss to the Jets, which, I mean, let's face it, the Jets are not as bad as people thought they were. Their defense is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner is giving people fits. Yeah. And when I'm already said right now, when the Bills face him the first time, I'm not down the Jets pull that W off. Uh, for what it's worth, I looked at the league record standings. Uh, the Denver Broncos aren't necessarily the worst team in the NFL in terms of record. Uh, that would go to the Detroit Lions at one and five. Uh, the Houston Texans are at the second worst record in the NFL with a record of one four and one, so essentially one and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Denver Broncos are tied for the third worst record in the NFL with uh, being two and five, along with Cleveland, Carolina, Saints, and then the Steelers. Just doing the eye test, though, I think Detroit's a better team. They just can't close. Yeah. And I think Houston is a better team than we thought, but it's not saying much. No. I'm saying doing the eyeball test if I'm watching a Denver play and I'm watching Houston play. I'm giving the nod to Houston. <laughs> like, that's how bad I think Denver is. Uh, to anybody who would watch that game, who hurts you? Yeah, exactly. Why, why do you hate yourself? I know. That, that is just like you can't find the remote and you're stuck. Like, literally stuck and you can't yeah. move. But this is what goes on with the NFL. Is like the amount of times that we have parity in the league – You'll see a drop off, but for Denver to just fall apart as badly as they have, I mean, yeah, 
It's bad. And it's with a lot of optimism just because, hey, it's Russell Wilson. Now, not necessarily the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, no, but sure. He's, but he's a pretty good, pretty good one, you know, looking at it coming into the season. But holy shit, the fucking fall off is astounding. Yeah, like I don't know who saw this coming to make the deal, but my God, whoever did for Seattle is a genius. I wouldn't be surprised though, just because there's no way you can logically explain this fall off. I wouldn't be surprised if, if God forbid, his season ends with like some sort of injury or like we get to the end of the season and then we find out he had like some sort of nagging injury that like nobody knew about. Like, and I won't say nobody like the team didn't know, but like the team knew, but just we, the public, didn't know. And it was just kind of bothering him all year. It could happen because that's about the only thing that I can think explains why this fall off has been this bad. Well, I think you got to look at it from a, a different standpoint, too. I think that this team is less talented than yes. Seattle. Yes. And I think that when you have a, a very, very good quarterback in Russell Wilson and you have very good receivers around him. Okay, note how I'm wording this. Good, not great. I think that you'll sometimes put somebody in that great column when they have enough talent around them. You took a great quarterback to Denver, so to speak, and now he's getting exposed because mm-hmm. that is literally a lateral move with a downgrade at a receiver, but you can't make them better. Like we've talked about how receivers go to Green Bay yeah, and they become superstars because of Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Russell Wilson had that kind of effect too, to a certain level. Sure. To, not saying is equal, but to sure. a certain level. Sure. You're now looking at that on this team and it's completely wide open that that is yeah. a fact that he is not making them better. And now that you put this, you know, ripping in, He's not really sparking that offense at all, but I know you had to because of the injuries. This is a question now of the season that I think is lost for Denver. I think so. I think, I, I think they, like I said, I agree with the rumor I heard where, like, if they lose this upcoming game, you know, then you'll start seeing the pieces get dealt because, like we mentioned, they've got Jacksonville coming up this upcoming Sunday, which I want to say the game's in London. Uh, it's on I e- believe so. It's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, they've got a bye week in week nine, and then after that they've got the Tennessee Titans and then the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are going to light them up too. Oh, yeah, they are. Uh, and then the Jets on the flip side have the Patriots this upcoming Sunday, the Bills the week after, bye week in week 10, and then they've got the Patriots again uh, weeks 11 of uh, – for their fourth game there. Yeah, I think without Brees Hall, though, there's going to be a, a very, very big drop-off for the yeah. Jets. But I will say this. Zach Wilson has been playing better. He's good. I'm, he's serviceable. Yeah. I'm not going to say he's good, though. But I'm going to say he's, he's been more serviceable because that running back oh, yeah. has really been... They've, uh, they've been very run-heavy. I mean, I just pulled up his stats. For the season, 693 yards, which is good for 35th in the league. One touchdown, which is good for... 35th in the league, two interceptions, which is tied for second in the league in a QBR 48.6. So, yeah, they've been a little run heavy. Yeah, that running back led offense. That's what I was trying to go with because trying to say that with the Jets, we haven't said that in many, many years. Yeah. And now here we are. But unfortunately, the Brees Hall out, there is going to be a drop off. They could squeak out a win against the Patriots possibly this week. Maybe. Um, but I'm not going to say that's a lock by any stretch of the imagination. Divisional game, you never know. But that's the whole thing. Divisional game, they're going to get up. And I'm going to tell you right now, Buffalo Bills fans. We could lose to the Jets. I'm not going to say we are, but that defense is going to be popping everybody mm-hmm. going across the middle. And if Josh Allen is running shoulder first, somebody's going to take a shot at him. I'm going to say this, you know, and I'm not a legal shot that, and is. I'm not, and I'm saying this with no bias in my voice. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just saying this as somebody who lives in a very heavy Buffalo territory. Oh yeah. If the Jets beat the Bills. You and a few others I know who are Bills fans will be sensible about it. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, hey, listen, the Jets are a great team, X, Y, and Z, here's why. 
there will be some folks that are acting like the goddamn sky is falling. Oh, I agree. And it's the worst thing since sliced bread and they're and they're washed up. I will say this is probably the most reasonable Buffalo Bills fan you Facts. will meet. Facts. That if we lose to the Jets, listen, I'm going to be mad because my team lost, but I'm already been saying it right now. This Jets defense hits hard. And that's why I said, if Josh runs across the middle, yeah, somebody's going to give him a legal shot in that shoulder because you know what? He's fair game. And they're going to play hard. Like, that's the one thing. Yep. They're not going to take it easy. They're they're going to be very, very aggressive because in their minds, and rightfully so, if the if the ball was the other side around and this was Buffalo, mm-hmm. they'd be doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. If they are now sitting 5-2, and two, they have a legit shot to get to the playoffs. They're still going to ball out. And that defense is nasty. And they're not going to be afraid to hit some people. So with that being said, there's still going to be a challenge for some teams. Now, are they going to be winning decisively? No. Like, you're going to see a very weird parallel to the Giants. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say they're going to be legally hitting everybody left and right. So if you come across that middle of the field, good luck because you're going to definitely be feeling that by the fourth quarter at the very least. But this team definitely can hang in there with the best of them. I, they're not going to win a shootout, so you can only jump on them early and then hope to contain them. Because if this is a close game, like a six-point game going into that fourth quarter, I'm not going to say the Jets aren't going to pull this off. But this is something they're going to have to really find a way to rally around, and somebody's got to make a play for them. Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to have to step up and fill in that void for Brees Hall. And I that just broke my heart seeing that because I always oh, I do too yeah he was just really sparking that team and like I say I'm not rooting against the Jets per se like you know my hatred is more focused towards Miami mm-hmm. but I don't mind the Jets but for them this was like a, a light of hope and plus I wanted to beat him I wanted to beat them at their number one game sure because like I tell you what that game is still gonna be hard and and like I say if Zach Wilson is stupid enough to run across the field oh he's gonna definitely be feeling that from the Bills defense yeah I can't wait to see that yeah. But that said, Pad, let's take a quick lap around the league. Let's see what we got, starting with Thursday night. Yeah, so the Thursday night game didn't entirely suck for once. Uh, you had the Arizona Cardinals beat the New Orleans Saints 42-34. to Points! Yeah. That's all we can really say about that. Yeah. Um, good win for Arizona. New Orleans, <laughs> we're still waiting to see what team actually shows up and is consistent. Andy Dalton, though. Fucking 361 and four touchdowns. Oof. Put some respect on his name. Goddamn. Favorite, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time because he got the Bills to the playoffs. I'll say for a very specific reason. Yes, that's the only reason why. But listen, you can't say anything bad about him in my presence. Nope. Mm-hmm. Going next up. Uh, you had the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Atlanta Falcons 35-17. to Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta took a big L because Cincinnati <laughs> jumped out early. Thank God I started Tyler Boyd uh, because I had to sit Michael Thomas because fucking jackass is injured all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But I had Tyler Boyd on my bench. I'm like, you know what? I, I didn't even look at the matchup. I was like, all right, you know, he just, I, I just looked at the projected points. I'm like, all right, fine. That'll do. Fucking Tyler Boyd, eight catches, 155 yards, one touchdown. Goddamn. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow, 481 and three. Goddamn. Yeah. What can you say? Bengals got back on the winning track. Yes, they did. Atlanta is Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had the Cowboys beat the Lions by the final score of 24 to six. Uh, you had Jared Goff, 228 and two. Uh, Pollard had 83 yards, no touchdowns. So, eh. Good game for the Cowboys. Lions, yeah, not so much. Solid win for the Cowboys. Detroit I, has gone back in their losing ways. I think the 
sense of hope that they had at the beginning of the season is gone, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fearing Dan Campbell is going to be fired too by the end yeah. of the season. I really am. Uh, you had the Tennessee Titans beat the Indianapolis Colts by the final score of 19 to 10. Matt Ryan, uh, 243 and one. Derrick Henry had 128 yards rushing. Uh, but the story here is Matt Ryan, his ass is benched, and not for the next game. It sounds like it's for the rest of the season. Yeah, the Matt Ryan experiment is done. Indianapolis, uh, I, I mean, think it, it is high in draft picks. Yeah, I mean, it's you should have seen this coming. Yeah, no, this has definitely been a situation where the most boring team in football just got more boring. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that and stay awake best you can. Uh, you had the Washington Commanders. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, beat the Green Bay Packers 23-21. to <laughs> well, Where do we even begin here? Aaron Rodgers, I think, has mentally checked out. Yeah. He's done. Uh, the case in point, dig up the clip of him looking at Matt LaFleur on the sidelines and yelling, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. The whole idea that they're back on the same page after all the drama. Uh, yeah, no. Not even close. No. Nah. Just when we thought this could not get any worse, this is almost like CM Punk AEW levels of drama right now. Oh. Almost. Like, this is just such a weird disconnect from so everybody. From everybody. Like, it's just such a weird disconnect. That's why I'm saying when that kind of comparison, the drama right now involving a star player in their organization. Oh, my God. Well, and again, this is much in the same vein of like, you know, the Buccaneers playing the Panthers, which mm-hmm. like, OK, you know, almost almost exactly like, you you know, you've got the Washington commanders who are going with Taylor Haneke, you know, because Carson Wentz is on IR. You know, and then you got you got Brian Robinson Jr. was their leading Washington's leading rusher, two twenty carries, seventy three yards. Which hey, not a great stat line, but considering what happened to that man in the off season, preseason, yeah, hell of a story, absolutely. You know, and then you look at the Washington receiving core. Tell me if any of these guys exactly scare you, and, I'm, and I'll even give you their stats. Terry McLaurin, five catches, seventy three yards, one touchdown. I actually know him, so yes. Curtis Samuel, five for fifty three, no touchdowns. No. Uh, Armani Rogers, three three for twenty eight, no touchdowns. No. Antonio Gibson, three for eighteen, uh, one touchdown. No him, but no. Brian Robinson Jr., two for thirteen, no touchdowns. Well, same. Uh, Cam Sims, one for twelve, no touchdowns. Yep. Uh, Dax Mine, uh, one for four, no touchdowns. Who? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, and then he had J.D. McKissick get two tar- two targets, no catches, and Cole Turner two targets, no touchdowns. Yeah. Or excuse me, no catches. It's an ugly game, but Washington showed up, and this just shows. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is gone. He is done. He needs more ayahuasca. I whatever you got to do to get him back on track because this team is plummeting badly. Like the Packers, we all thought were going to be the team. Three wins in a row, three losses in a row. Yeah, this is a rough stretch for him, and I think you could just tell by the body language, like he's checked out. And it ain't going to get any better. I'm looking at their schedule. <laughs> they've got the Buffalo Bills this upcoming Sunday on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, the week after they've got Detroit. Which listen. I realize Detroit's got the worst record in the NFL. Don't doubt them winning. Divisional. Don't doubt them. After that, they've got the Dallas Cowboys, Tennessee Titans, Philadelphia Eagles, and then the Chicago Bears, which, again, worst record. But given how Chicago just played, it's divisional. It's just given the play on Aaron Rodgers' role players. Like, that's the whole situation. Nobody can step up like Devontae Adams' stat level. Like, it's just that's how it is. And he's not doing anything. You Like I say, I can't stress this enough. He's checked out. He's mm-hmm. he's done. Yeah. I don't know what you can do with him in the offseason, but you're going to have to now figure something out. And I'm looking at the line for that Buffalo Bills game. It is currently the Bills by 11 and a half. Holy shit. And it's and it's uh 47 and a half is the over under. Holy shit. I take the over. Oh my. Yeah, I would take the over. I take the over. That 10 that 10 and a half scares me a little bit. Uh-huh. But 
I'm going to say, I mean, listen, I'll already say this. I'm going to spoil something. Bills are one of my locks this week. I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be close. I did not realize it was double digits, though. Oh, yeah. But Aaron, uh, and I think Aaron, I think there's like some sort of bizarre stat where like, and I don't know if this was going into this game, but I think it's like Aaron Rodgers has, no, or no, sorry, it's Patrick Mahomes. Never mind. Yeah, I was going to say, but for Aaron Rodgers to be a double digit dog. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like, there's a lot of shit that has to happen Holy. for that to happen, and we're there. Yeah. This is bad, Packard Nation. Bad. I know we have some friends in the in our podcasting community I mean, that listen, got something to say. They'll admit, even they've admitted that it's bad. Yeah. Shout out to Matt from Hops Geeks. Shout out to JVD. I know they got a lot to say about this. If you want to find out some more information about that, hit them up on Twitter. We'll post those links for you if you need. Holy smokes, man. Yeah. Yow. Uh, you had the Baltimore Ravens beat the Cleveland Browns 23-20. to Closer game than expected, but listen, the Browns... Divisional. Yeah, but the Browns and Ravens have had that feud for life. Like, they are just the fight forever. Yeah. It doesn't matter how bad the Browns are because Baltimore is usually consistently on the upbeat. But Baltimore is also a team that, listen, they should be better than they are. They have found ways to choke in the fourth quarter. They almost blew this one, too. Yeah. So the fact they held on to win is a big win. But a hell of a game from Jacoby Brissett, though. 22, 27, 251. Or 258, excuse me. Oof. Yeah, he's playing he, bad. He's playing he's solid. Bad. He's playing solidly enough. But obviously, we'll kind of have to wait to see when uh, Deshaun comes back. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Houston Texans 38-20. to Story here, though. Josh Jacobs, 20 carries, 143 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, thank you for helping me win my fantasy game. This has been the Raiders team we've been waiting to see all year. Shit. This is where I think they finally got the ball clicking. I know Houston is Houston, but still, yeah. they finally looked like that Raiders team we've been talking about in the preseason. So look out the rest of the year. I'm not saying they're going to make a run, but I think that they might do enough to save Josh McDaniel's job. And if this is just the tip of the iceberg, I think Derek Carr might sneak by. But I think they're definitely going to be looking to upgrade in the offseason. Just going to put that out there. Uh, you had the Seattle Seahawks beat the L.A. Chargers 37-23. to uh, Big story with this one, though, is on the Chargers side of things. Uh, J.C. Jackson, their cornerback, done for the year with a, not with yet another ACL injury on Sunday. Jeez. Yeah. That's a tough break. Yep. Chargers are who we thought they were. Like, listen, I'm sorry. Anybody that tries saying they're going to make a run in the playoffs, you can't put any money on them. Nope. Until they actually get to a game and I see them hold up a Lombardi trophy, I'm still going to say they're not going to do it because every time this team is picked to win and they are too damn talented on both sides of the ball, they find a way to choke. Every time. Seattle, like, let's face it, they are the ultimate underdogs. I said it earlier this episode, I'm going to stand my ground on this. They are playing with house money. They should mm-hmm. not be as winning games as they are. And yet, here's another one. Chargers at home, and yet they get dropped a 37 on them. Yeah. Stop. I'm sorry, any Chargers fans right now, please tell me how your team is going to get to the playoffs and win and make a run. I, the run is the big thing. You might sneak in there because of reasons, but other than that, no, get out of here. We're done. Uh, you had the uh, what? There it is. Uh, the Miami Dolphins beat the Pittsburgh Steelers sixteen to ten. Ugly game. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh. Ooh. Decent game from Tua. Two sixty one and one. I'm happy to see Tua is back and playing well. Albeit the one head first run he did. Yeah. I gotta say, like that was not smart on any stretch of the imagination. But mm-hmm. I, like, listen, my Miami hatred aside. I'm happy to see that he was functioning. I'm happy to see he was back. If he never came back to play and thought about his health first, I would I fully respect that too. But the fact he came back led him to a win, is a solid one in Pittsburgh. Ugh. 
Uh, I understand it's rookie woes, but um, let's kind of see how we play this out. Yeah, and, uh, and hey, uh, fun fact, uh, Tua is undefeated this season when he doesn't die. Yeah, pretty much. Fun fact. Uh, and uh, that is the last of the games because uh, we had the Monday night game, uh, and that was one we already discussed. Kansas City and San Francisco was oh, the last one on right. the docket. Because, because we all kind of left this off because Kansas City dropped 44 on a Frisco team that Christian McCaffrey was there. It was Christian McCaffrey to... was there, but he, uh, you know, limited basis, only uh, eight carries. Exactly. See, that's why it kind of got swept under the rug because Kansas City looks like they're back on the winning ways. Yeah, they do. Uh, 25 of 34, 423 for Patty Mahomes, uh, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, you had, uh, what is it, Isaiah uh, Pacheco, eight carries, 43 yards as their leading rusher. And then Juju Smith-Schuster finally showing off for Kansas City. Seven catches, 124 yards, one touchdown. Flip side, though, Marquez Valdez-Scantling also showing off for that team. Three catches, 111 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah, so solid win against the Frisco team that should have been playing better. Kelsey, a sneeze away from 100 yards himself. I know they tried to get it towards the end of the game, and he couldn't get it. But, you know, you almost had three receivers with 100 yards receiving, which... Christ, when's the last time that happened in the NFL? Exactly. A wild week of action, nevertheless. So hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the week that was in the NFL? How did your team do in Packer Nation? Let's talk because you guys have got some problems. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC Universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to recap one of the most mysterious cards in all of UFC history. Mm -hmm. I don't try using adjectives like that when I'm describing fight cards because I shouldn't say mysterious, but I don't understand a lot that happened this weekend. Mm -hmm. I really don't. So, Pad, you got the breakdown of what was going on in UFC 280? Yeah, so uh, looking at the main card, uh, you had uh, in a catchweight fight at 127 and a half pounds, uh, Manon Fiora uh, beat Caitlin Chukagan uh, by unanimous decision. Yeah, this is one that we kind of were thinking about. That it could have gone either way. Chukagan is like in that gatekeeper status. But Fiora, she showed up and she definitely made a statement in this one. Yeah. I'm not saying we're going to talk about her with a title shot just yet, but you kind of have to keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. Like that's the one thing that's kind of puzzling with this one is I saw it could go either way, but man, now you got some questions you're raising in that mm-hmm. flyweight division. Uh, then next up in the lightweight division, you had Benil Darush beat uh, Matsuts Germo via unanimous decision, uh, 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28. So here's a question for you, Pat. Darush, where do you now put him in that title contention talk? 
Uh, I am pulling up the rankings as we speak uh, because I know they were updated just last night. Uh, featherweight, where, where's the lightweight? There they are. Uh, in the lightweight division, Islam Machekev, uh, spoiler alert, is your champion. Charles Oliveira is the number one contender. Dustin Poirier is your number two contender. Gaethje is your number three contender. And then Benil Darush is currently your number four contender, jumping up two spaces. Yeah, I was going to say, he had to have jumped. Uh, listen, solid performance by him here. You can't take anything away. He has definitely earned his title shot speculation mm-hmm. because obviously that was something that came out of this fight. However, though, I would not pencil him in just yet. You, you, you might be like half have the name half there, but I wouldn't go full on. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the one thing you can say he definitely is deserving of one. If they gave him one, listen, I'm not going to sit there and argue about it. But I still think he's one fight away from it. I agree. And I think that he will get that opportunity sooner than later. I just think right now it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, because like we said last week, he is on a uh, bit of a win streak here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights in a row now. Uh, he has won. His last loss was to a gentleman by the name of Alexander Hernandez, who knocked out Darush. That was at UFC 222 on March 3rd of 2018. So it's been like four years since the man's lost. Yeah, so he's definitely earned his shot. I just don't think he's going to get that. I do have a fight, but I will talk about that a little later in this segment okay. of who I think he should get next. Okay. But it's a solid win for him, nevertheless. Like, listen, I thought Grimaldi was going to give him a bigger run, but clearly he's not there yet. No. Uh, next up was in the bantamweight division where you had Whoa. Sugar Sean O'Malley defeat uh, Peter Yan by a split decision. 29-28, 28-29, and 29-28. I might need a spo- like a, a warning for this one. Oh, oh, Christ, it's been a while since I've done this. Uh, viewer, listener discretion is advised. The thoughts, views, and opinions are that of Ken M and do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH or any of its proprietors. Uh, listener discretion is advised. How the fuck did this happen? Seriously. Uh, no, we know why. Reasons. Reasons. Only way to describe this. There's no way O'Malley won this. I'm sorry. I am sorry. This No way. No way. Like, first of all, the fact this went to a decision is puzzling to me enough because I thought Peter Yon, who has been a dominant force in that bantamweight division, if it wasn't for him giving a stupid illegal knee because he got wound up by Sterling, it, he still would be champion. But the fact that that didn't happen, okay, listen, I can stomach that. It's fine. It's all right. But Sean O'Malley is not a bad fighter. I'm not going to take anything away from his fighting skill. But the fact he got here and went and won a decision is blowing my mind. This is one of the most egregious decisions, and I think in all of combat sport history that I've ever witnessed. There is no way he won this fight. None. So I'm looking at the uh, official UFC scorecard. This comes to us courtesy of the uh, official at UFC News uh, Twitter account. Uh, You had the, and I'm not going to give names because I don't want to send any hater vitriol these way, but as Ken and I know, these judges are given colors, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, The white judge scored the fight 29-28 for Sean O'Malley, giving O'Malley the first and third rounds. Uh, All of these scores 10-9s. Uh, you had the blue judge give the fight to Sean O'Malley, also giving O'Malley the first and third rounds. It was the yellow judge who gave the first and who gave the fight to Peter Yan, who gave the, him the first and second rounds, giving O'Malley the third round. See, I'm not going to take away O'Malley. I thought I did get the third round, but I thought he was already down too, so it didn't matter. But then again, you can't leave the fight in the hands of the judges. I just cannot wrap my head around this at all. Like, I thought this was clearly 
without a question of a doubt, Peter Yan. And I know a lot of people have been saying the same thing online, fighters and fans alike. I know you got the whole spectrum of uh, strikes and... Yeah, so looking at uh, this was a strikes between the two. Total strikes, you had 97 from Peter Yan to 91 on Sean O'Malley's. Uh, significant strikes was 58 uh, from Peter Yan to 84 uh, from O'Malley. Uh, head strikes, 24 to 63. Uh, and again, I'm reading from Yan to O'Malley here. Uh, O'Malley had, thir- uh, excuse me, Yan had 13 body shots to O'Malley's six. Leg strikes was 21 uh, to uh, O'Malley's 15. Uh, control, holy fucking shit. Five minutes and 54 seconds to uh, O'Malley's two seconds. Yeah. Uh, takedowns, uh, six uh, from uh, Jan compared to none in one attempt from O'Malley. Uh, and then submission attempts, none on either side. Yeah, so like I say, I don't understand. Like You can say the significant strikes, and I'll give you that, but that was all third third round. Sure. In my opinion, like I say, I did not see anything about this that really said definitively this should have gone to O'Malley. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. There's no way. I'm sorry. Like, I think this is just where the judges got it completely wrong, top to bottom. But now the question is, where do we go from here? I'm sorry. I'm just looking through the replies on the UFC news. Oh, by all means. Uh, and somebody goes, here's the scorecard and decision win probability for my... So this person has a UFC judging algorithms, like an AI. They ran it through their judging AI. They gave the fight two rounds to three to Peter to Peter Yan. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking no, computer got, scored the fight. You know, uh, judge AI decision win probabilities. Yan, 54%. O'Malley, 45%. <laughs> the fuck yeah you <laughs> like like i said you you can't spin it otherwise i apologize i'm yelling into the mic I'm like this is how wound up i was when i saw this i'm like are you kidding me because we all know okay o'malley is on that hype train he is a very charismatic fighter i will give you that but that does not mean that he deserves to get this and now is going to get a title shot mark my words i've heard his back and forth like it wasn't official but it was kind of alluded to I'm sorry. Like, if he gets a title shot over Vera, I would be. I, if I'm Vera's camp, I'm fuming. I am mm-hmm. absolutely livid because I know you got the rankings up right now. I would love to see where O'Malley jumped in because he was not even ranked uh, at one point. Where are we, Bantamweight? Uh, yep. Algernon Sterling is currently your champion. Sh- Holy fucking Christ! I've never seen a jump this high. Sean O'Malley's your number one contender. Told you. He jumped up ten spaces. So they had him 11 before this. Peter Yan is your number two fighter, dropping down one spot. Uh, Marab Divashvili is your number is also number two. Weird. Uh, jumped up one space. Marlon uh, Vera is number four. TJ Dillashaw is number five. Corey Sanhagen, number six. Rob Font, number seven. Dominic Cruz, number eight. Pedro Munoz, number nine. And then Yadong Song, number 10. Literally the only people that moved in this ranking were O'Malley, uh, Devishvili, Vera, everybody else dropped. Yeah. This is insane. I've never seen a swing that high. And I'm telling you, like, it's, I understand that, listen, fighters sell fights. I get that. But there's no way, no way that O'Malley is now the number one contender, especially because the number four guy is the one who ended him in the first round via leg kicks. Like, let's not forget that. This is a situation that, yeah, he jumps up this high and you got Mirab who, like, listen, you can kind of pencil in somewhere wherever you want mm-hmm. and see how it kind of shapes up because I know he's the number three technically. It's a typo on the UFC's end. Right. But 
you got to think about this. O'Malley is now the number one contender. Mark my words, he's getting a title shot. And do I think it's fair? No, I don't. I really don't. I'm sorry. I still think if you were going to do any kind of justice about this, you run him and Vera back one more time. If he beats Vera outright, you know what? I'll give you that. I will sit here and say he deserves it, but I'm not going to say that right now because I'm sorry. The fact that he stole one against Peter Jan, that is Mm -hmm. my opinion. He's damn near – I'm sorry – no, I'm not going to try to spin it in any way. No, in my opinion, he stole this one. Yeah, uh, I'm no, trying to be professional. I about agree this, with you. I mean, and, and I think you can certainly do the verify. You know, that fight was at UFC 252 on August 16th, 2020. So I think enough time has passed where you know you can you can do it again if you really wanted to. I don't think there's any way. I realize you know O'Malley's the number one contender, but given just how controversial this is, because I was just looking through the uh, our the MMA subreddits post about this because they'll post you know the end highlight of how the fight sure. goes or whatever. And there was a lot of people that were basically it was overwhelmingly that like yeah no uh, this was robbery yeah no this is that's what I was saying I'm, I am very very upset about this because like listen if you, I understand you don't leave it in the hands of the judges I've said this once I'll say it a million said times. it so many times yeah exactly but at the same time you can't give a fight like that just because somebody had a great ending round like I'm sorry it, you can't do that with MMA judging like I'm gonna say well yeah you can but you shouldn't. I mean, even just from the control aspect of things, you're willingly telling me a guy who had two seconds of control won the damn fight? Exactly. They what ga- the fuck? They gave it to him because of the third round. Because third round, he, he finally came alive. So, you know what? Okay, fine. He won a round. This is, this is like, you know, me going into the octagon with like a triple threat between, you know, in their prime, Daniel Cormier and, and Anderson Silva and going, nope. Padawan J won. I'd be like, wait, what the fuck? Exactly. Like, I'm sorry. There's no way you can justify this. None. I understand the strikes were there in the third round, and I will say he won the third. I'm not going to question that. But not one and two. Hell no. But yet again, here we are. So for Jan, I don't know where you go with him. I mean, you could have him fight Vera, I guess. But I think that they should immediately run it back between these two. Interestingly, looking at uh, Jan's record, he has not fought Vera. See, that's a fight. So there's an opportunity. That's a fight I would do. In all honesty, and, and like I hate saying this because, like, I'm not a diehard Peter Yan fan. Like, I do like sure. him. I, I think he's a great fighter. I think though he's been really screwed out of this, and I think that that's where my problem is. Like, okay, give him the fight against Vera. Yeah, that is a big fight. That would make a lot of sense to me because I'm penciling it in right now. O'Malley is getting the title shot. Yeah, could you, be. you're not telling me otherwise. I'm sorry, and I and. Uh, <sighs> All right, I got. I got to start ranting. I'm gonna keep ranting about this, so we might want to go to the next fight. Uh, the next fight was also in the bantamweight division. Uh, it was the co-main event of the evening. It was Aljamain Sterling defending his belt against T.J. Dillashaw, uh, and you had Aljamain Sterling knock the fuck out of T.J. Dillashaw at three minutes and forty-four seconds of the second round. This was absolutely insane to me to see. Mm-hmm. T.J. Dillashaw is a very, very accomplished bantamweight. And he has done some great things in this. I mean, obviously, he came into this looking the best he's ever looked. Yeah. Aljamain Sterling is a very, very puzzling uh, champion, in my opinion. He Obviously, he earned his title shot, won it in a very, very controversial fashion. 
He won the rematch. So listen, I'll give him that that credit because you got his uh, record up right now. I do uh, for or for Aljamain Sterling. I got rid of that. Uh, give me one second. I can pull it back up here. Ba, ba, ba. Here we go. Uh, Aljamain Sterling in twenty five professional matches now has a record of twenty two wins, three losses. He has wow, Jesus Christ. Uh, he's on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fight win streak, uh, beating the likes of T.J. Dillashaw, Peter Yan. Twice. Yeah. Uh, Corey Sandhagen, Pedro Munoz, Jimmy Rivera, Cody Stammen, and Brett Johns. His last loss was to Marlon Moraes, who knocked him out on December 9th of 2017. Yeah, so he's been on a roll. And like I said, he won the the, out, the rematch outright. Like, like I say, I'll give him that. I did not see that one coming against Peter Yon. But I did not expect him to go in there and do what he did against TJ Dillashaw. Dillashaw, like I say, has had the pedigree. He was going to stand there and bang with him. He got on the losing end of that one, mm-hmm. and I did not see that going this route. So obviously, we've already said it's going to be Sterling against O'Malley. There, Probably, there's no way we're going to do another fight against that. But the question is now, what do you do with T.J. Dillashaw, Pat? I I don't know because I'm looking at his record: uh, 22 professional matches, 17 and five record, uh, on a one fight losing streak because he beat Corey Sandhagen in his prep fight prior. I don't know, man. I'm looking at the rankings. There they are. Uh, currently the number five fighter. So maybe you can fight against Rob Font or Divishvili, you know, because we're, we're tying up everybody else in that division between Jan, O'Malley, and, and, and Vera. And, you know, so maybe maybe Corey Sanhagen's there. Maybe Divishvili. You know, let's see if he's fought him before. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing. I'll, I'll... No, he has it. So yeah, you could do something there. You, you should do something there. Divishvili, number three. Uh, Dillashaw, number five. So, yeah. You might be able to do something there. Yeah, I, I definitely think they should. I mean, I could see him giving a fight to Peter Yan against him. I just don't know at this rate if that would make any sense because I'm still sitting here screaming. Like, I'm trying to read calm about this, but no, I'm not, I'm not this really wound up about the Sean O'Malley thing. And it's not like I hate Sean O'Malley, but I'm just like, I you can't tell me that he earned that title shot. No. And the fact that now you're causing all this chaos in that division, that now we have to sit here and go, okay, well, TJ Dillashaw, he lost outright, so like, listen, he falls down the line. No question about that. Yeah. Who he goes up against, I they might give him Peter Yan, but I think the, there's other fights that they should be doing instead. And I think that that's the route they should take a look at. Marlon, mm-hmm. Marlon Vera's got to be up higher for this. You could try doing TJ Dillashaw against him, but like, listen, I think you got to go lower on the card for him. I'm yeah. sorry. And especially Dillashaw was saying something about a shoulder injury, too. Like, listen. Yeah, I saw something about that. I'm just going to say this, and, and this is just my fan opinion. If you're not 100% ready to go, I mean, one – We've seen fighters go in there, and nobody's really 100%. You go yeah. to grueling training camps to do this. We do know a couple of MMA fighters locally here. Yeah. And when we'll say, like, I was like, how are you going in? He's like, I'm banged up, but I'm ready to go. I'll say, especially if you're this far into the game, you are not 100%. Right. So you can't sit there and say, like, oh, it's hurt and whatever. It's like, no, if, if you're good enough that you can go in there and fight, like, listen, you just got, you lost. And it's okay to say that. Nobody goes undefeated in this sport. Nobody does. So that being said, you know, Dillashaw lost. He needs to go down the card mm-hmm. and work his way back up. He's in the, he can still make a run in his age. It's not like he's you know completely done. But I think this just now is just such a, a log jam right now because of O'Malley. And I am still fuming about that. I'm trying to be calm about this. But no, it's not happening. But for Sterling, listen, solid win. And I don't know when they're going to book that Sterling-O'Malley fight. That is going to be an interesting perspective right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to wait to make a judgment later until they do that officially. But we'll see. Uh, and then your main event of the evening was uh, in the lightweight division where you had, uh, what is it, The uh, for, this was for the vacant UFC lightweight championship, where you had Islam Machekev defeat Charles Oliveira via arm triangle choke submission at 3 minutes and 16 seconds of the second round. 
So this is an interesting fight. I did not see it going this way. Charles Oliveira, who was the champion, uh, did not make weight, so thus it became vacant. Yep. But technically, let's face it, he's still champion. He was still fighting for this one. Unofficially so champ. Unofficially champ. Machev has definitely been a guy that has been on the rise lately. He's been really working his way up, and obviously you could not deny him the opportunity finally. And uh, he, the man hasn't lost in seven years. Exactly. So he came in, implemented his will. Uh, he definitely won the first round, and then to get a sub on Charles Oliveira, I know the the people online were really talking about like this was an early stoppage. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know. I think at this stage, like Oliveira just was taken out, like mentally. I think so yeah, like he just didn't look like he was still in it in that second round. And I'm not gonna say Islam broke him by any means. I just think that it was a something just didn't seem right for mm-hmm. whatever reason. He checked out. Because obviously him getting subbed like that, you don't see. No, uh, only his fourth, uh, for Oliveira, only his fourth loss uh, by submission all time. Yeah. So this is now a more clear-cut idea of what's going to happen in the lightweight division because obviously Machev is the champion. Yep. They have already said Alexander Volkanovsky is going to step up to 155 and fight him. <laughs> oh, shit. So that fight is going to go down, and I believe... Machev insisted that they were going to fight in Australia. Okay. So Volkanovski's home country. All right. So Stepping into hostile waters. I love this. Hostile shoeys, I guess you could say. Absolutely. And I think that this is going to be, if they can sneak this out one out by uh, year's end, I would say this could be a fight of the year candidate. If not, if they want to start fresh next year, that is already going to be a fight of the year candidate. Uh, like, let me go ahead and see if we got to Because if he wants to fight in... Uh, Australia. Let me go. Let me go through the Wikipedia pages and see if there's anything for when they're sure. returned to Australia. While you're doing that, I'm just going to kind of break down where I think everybody's going from here because Oliveira is now going to be in a weird situation. He can make his own fights with whoever, for the most part. I think personally, he should fight Darush. I think Darush has earned that. If Darush beats Oliveira, you give him that title shot. Mm-hmm. I know that there was some online buzz about Conor McGregor, but like, let's face this fact: Conor has now been exposed he's not in the USADA pool right now. Mm-hmm. So he can't come back for another six months. Yep. I don't see Oliveira waiting around that long. No. I just don't. I'm sorry. Like, Oliveira is going to want to get back in there and go get the belt. I think there's other fights you can do with Conor McGregor if you still think he's important to, enough to have that fight, which, I mean, he still draws. But I'm saying, like, as far as contention goes. Currently the number 13-ranked fighter in the lightweight division. Yeah, exactly. Dropping one space. Well, that's the whole thing. Connor's mystique is gone. He's He's been out of action for so long. And when he wasn't there, he got leg kicked to death. Well, I mean, the mystique is still there, but it's a different mystique. It's, yeah. it's not the mystique of, oh, he's going to knock you out. Oh, he's going to submit you. Oh, he's going to do that. You know, he's he's a, he's a spectacle. He's, a, you know, an attraction, yeah. I guess you could say. You know, he, he's like, you know, the Bill Goldbergs in his day or the Undertaker in his prime. You know, you, you can build a you can build a card around and people are going to come to see it. But, you know, are you exactly doing it for moving and shaking the, the division? Not really. No, I mean, he's an attraction. Like, that's the whole thing about it. He's on that Nate or Nick Diaz level. Yeah. He's on the Masvidal level. Like, he's just he is a larger than life fighter. He still will draw. But as far as a real run for a belt right now, I'm sorry. Like, those days are not there for Connor anymore. So if Oliveira wanted to wait for a big payday, but then again, it's, I, I just don't see him doing that. I think he wants to go get his belt back. Mm-hmm. The fight against Roosh would be one to make, and that's one I think that they should do. I don't necessarily know if they will. Mm-hmm. I know that there was some kind of buzz online that you go back to 145. I don't see that one happening because 145 will be in flux no matter what because if Volkanovski yeah. wins, 
who's going to be down there to step up to 145. I mean, I know Henry Cejudo's name has been floating around. Right. He's back in, um, I believe, the USADA pool. So depends on where they want to plug and play him. He, yeah. could, he could go to 145. Hell, he might even go to 135, which Sean O'Malley, have fun with that one. Yeah, uh, dug it up. The next time the UFC returns to Australia is at UFC 284. Uh, they're going to be in Perth, Australia. That is on February 12th, 2023. Yeah. Which is a ways away. Okay, so then, you know, then that'll be where they make that fight. And then, you know, I'm perfectly fine with them waiting about that. It's going to be an absolute classic between those guys. Mm-hmm. And like I say, there's another amount of fighters that you can kind of sneak in there if you want. I think for Oliveira, it's going to make a lot more sense. With Henry Cejudo's name floating around, I mean, he could even pop in at 155 and do some damage. There is a lot of moves they can make here that make sense. Mm-hmm. And that's the one nice thing for the lightweight division. The bantamweight, I, I know I'm a little more in flux about because I know... It's a mess. That, well, it's a mess because I know they hotshot O'Malley up there. And like I say, it's nothing against him personally. No. But I think it's too much too soon. Let's say fucking 10 spots in the rankings is insane. Yeah, and I understand this was a big test for him. And nothing to take away from that. Like, I thought he looked good in that third round. He lost the other two. I could, I could understand and I could stomach the 10 ranking jumps if it was like a first or hell second round knockout. Sure. But it's a split decision win. Exactly. Like, is is it good? Sure. I mean, a win's a win. Hey, it's, a, it's another check mark in the column. But, like, is it flashy? Is it anything that, like... You know, going to be remembered for? Well, yes, partially, but not for the reason you would expect. Exactly. So he's going to have to go in there and knock out Sterling to really kind of quiet some mm-hmm. naysayers. He, he can definitely do that, but I just think that there's going to be a lot of angry tweets coming out about that yeah. for the right reasons. And like I say, when you leapfrog this badly on a split decision, like mm-hmm. I say, I know we're overshadowing the main event here. Yeah. But listen, this has been the biggest story coming out of this fight card. And this was a great fight card, too. Because, like I said, we didn't even talk about Bill Muhammad defeating Sean Bradley. Brady, yeah. Or Brady there. Uh, just outright. And now, I mean, where does he go from here? Like, that's something we should, probably should be mentioning. But listen, all the buzz has been about Sean O'Malley. So the UFC has got a superstar on their hands that now is in a prime position to make some noise. Mm-hmm. But the question is, does everybody agree with it? Because you've already solidified your 155 fight. Like, there's no question about that. Volkanovski's earned that. He's cleaning off featherweight. It's just where do the other pieces fall from this puzzle? Yeah. So, I mean... I guess in closing, Pat, do you have any final thoughts on UFC 280? Crazy card. You know, for a card that like I figured would be good, I did not expect to have this many storylines coming out of it. It's wild. Yeah. No, I fully agree with you. It's mysterious about how the judges judge that fight. And listen, I'm just I'm putting it out there. I don't agree with it. That is my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, you know, a lot of people have the same opinion I do about this. You might not. You might think O'Malley had won this one outright. Yeah. I, I just don't. I mean, he won the third. I'll give you that. But sure. He didn't win the first and second, in my opinion. But I'll debate that all day. And I know we'll have a lot more to talk about this in the upcoming weeks. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from UFC 280? Let us know who you thought really won that fight. Was it Peter Yan or was it Sean O'Malley? And let us know about what you thought about the rest of the fights. Because there was some very solid fights there we should be talking about more so. But you know who won the fought that fight between Jan and, and uh what's his face? Uh Vegas. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Vegas won that fight. <sighs> I can't wait to see the odds when they come out against Sterling and O'Malley. Oh shit. Definitely keep an eye on that one. But in the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag. Let us know what you thought. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book, Book of Lies. Lies, the podcast. 
where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies Podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we, Pat? Hell yeah. So this week was a very, very successful one for WWE. Yeah, it was. Obviously, NXT had a very monster event, Mm -hmm. pun intended, (laughs) bringing it back to the premium live events with their TakeOver-esque card, Halloween Havoc. Yes. So let's talk about it, shall we? Uh, Yeah, so the first match you had on the card was a fatal five-way ladder match for the NXT North American Championship between Wesley, Carmelo Hayes, Nathan Frazier, Oro uh, Mensa, and Von Wagner. Uh, and you had Wesley emerge victorious to become your and new uh, NXT North American Champion. Love seeing Wesley win. I do, too. He's a good, he's a good wrestler. Very good wrestler. Uh, crazy spot doing a Spanish fly into the ladder. Holy shit. It was absolutely uh, brutal. Von Wagner, um, he was there. Yeah, he was. You know, uh, kind of yeah. kind of weird spot I was seeing on the internet about him setting up the ladder and the fan doing the Matrix move to get out of the way. Yeah, that was that was unique. I'll give him that. Yeah, it definitely was. So, uh, but you know, in all seriousness, he wasn't the worst no. we've seen him. Um, we're not exactly big fans of him, but no. you know, just I think he's got a lot of work to do. So. That's just my opinion. Uh, should note also that match went 19 minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, the next up was in a casket match. You had a Grayson Waller uh, taking on Apollo Crews. Uh, and you had Apollo Crews emerge victorious, beating uh, Waller in 12 minutes and 56 seconds. Much to the uh, joy and pleasure of those in attendance and many of those watching around the world. Well, this was a great win for Apollo Crews. I'm happy to see him finally get a win. Oh, I am too. Because this has been a long time coming. Him down in NXT, I think, is going to be doing some big things. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see where he goes from here. Uh, on the Grayson Waller side of things, listen, uh, he is very, very polarizing. Yes. A lot of people don't really like him. He's I, a good heel. He's a very good heel. I, I know we kind of went into a little discussion about this on 607 TWS this week, out right now on your favorite podcast platforms. But he is also a character that I think is uh, just too much too soon of the Vince product yeah. like he's yeah. somebody, he's somebody that screams like a vince mcmahon prototype instead of a yeah. triple h prototype yeah and i think that obviously with triple h now at the helm of wwe creative Shawn michaels is now running nxt yep you're seeing that there's a lot of synergy between both the rebrand and the main roster so yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of one of the situations where i mean waller is just one of those guys is just lost in the shuffle, I think, for right now, for where the fans are really thinking of him. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's a good heel, and he's a decent wrestler, at least in my opinion. But, like, I need a little bit more to go off of to, like, really sink my teeth into and decide, you know, am I for this guy? Am I against this guy? Do I like this guy? Do I hate this guy? Because, what you know, his one claim to fame, and now, admittedly, I don't watch NXT every, every week. You know, sometimes uh, it's, uh, like, a delay, a couple days delay, whatever. You know... But his one claim to fame, for at least for me, is he's the guy who beat Johnny Gargano before he went on sabbatical. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to be for or against a guy, I need a little bit more to go on. And right now, I just don't have enough to go on. Yeah, so who knows where he's going to wind up? I don't think anybody really has an idea. No. 
I don't think he's coming up to the main roster anytime soon. No, I don't think so. But I think he needs something new down in NXT. I think he needs a new gimmick no matter what. Yeah. Uh, next up was a weapons wild match where you had Roxanne Perez defeat Cora Jade in 12 minutes and 13 seconds. Holy shit. Love this match. This match was great. Roxanne Perez is the future of the WWE women's division. I would agree with you. Yeah. And if you've never seen her wrestle before, like in the indies and in Ring of Honor, she was doing a lot of very, very good work before she got something. Mm-hmm. She's only getting better. Same with Cora Jade. They're going to be the new fight forever when they come up to the main yeah, roster. Yeah, I saw somebody make a comparison to uh, Bailey and Sasha during their NXT feud, and I'm like, you know what? You might have a point. Yeah, because they're, they're just getting started. Like, I don't think people realize of how good they are at this age. Well, and especially Cora Jade, only 22. Yeah. Like, they are just so young, and yet they're putting on solid work, solid performances, and they're now just mastering that craft. Uh, Roxanne Perez, uh, 21. Yeah, I was going to say, they're both super young. Uh, or excuse me, she's 20. She'll turn 21 uh, in a couple in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, like I say, they're both super young for where they are in this business right now. And, it, and it's shocking how good they are, you know, for as young as they are. Absolutely. So WWE has got a very, very bright future for those two when they bring them up to the main roster. Like, rest assured, they're going to be fighting at WrestleMania it's mm-hmm. years down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was an ambulance match between uh, Julius Creed, who defeated Damon Kemp uh, in 14 minutes and 11 seconds. I'll be honest, didn't care for this match. Yeah, I mean, ambulance match, if you've seen one ambulance match, you've seen a thousand ambulance matches. Unless you get Braun Strowman involved and then he flips the goddamn thing. You know, the whole thing about this feud, too, I mean, I agree with you about that point, too. But the whole thing about this is the implosion of Diamond Mind, because when everybody's getting released and all, yeah. the, all the nonsense going on there. Yeah, yeah. Nobody cares. About this feud. No. And it's sad because you do have some very talented people involved, but nobody cares because there's no real big payoff. I mean, the Creed brothers, when they bring them up to the main roster or whatever they want to do with the tag team division, they're go- they're going to do big things. Oh, yeah, they are. Fully convinced. But the Diamond Mine thing is, is over and done with, and I don't think that there's that much investment from the WWE universe no. about it. So it's just like, eh, it was there. I mean, people people cared for Rod. People enjoy Roddy, and people enjoy seeing Roderick Strong. You know, even before his, uh, uh, when he joined Undisputed Era. Mm-hmm. He really, at least in my eyes, took off for, you know, the casual viewers of NXT, you know, took off when he joined Undisputed Era. Absolutely. And ever since, you know, Fish, O'Reilly, and Cole left, he's been kind of left in the in the winds he's lost in the shuffle he's lost in the shuffle and i know they tried to kind of recreate it with diamond mine but it just doesn't work it's it's just not working i don't know what you do with him but i hate to see it because he's a great worker well that's the whole thing is diamond mine was such a vince 2.0 thing yeah that that's true too that with triple h not now there with sean it, it just doesn't mesh and you can definitely see that watching at home it's just like okay I see what you're trying to do. You're going to have to implode it, and if you still want to do it, you have to get somebody down there that can fill the Stokely Hathaway role. Yeah. And you need somebody yeah. that's going to be the manager and just really be the mouthpiece for the group because I'm sorry, they're just they're not there yet. No. Uh, next up was your co-main event of the evening for the NXT Women's Championship, and you had Mandy Rose defend her uh, successfully defend her belt against Alba Fire in seven minutes and two seconds. Mandy Rose is the truth. Yeah. If anybody questions about when we say now – they should go back to NXT. Mandy Rose is the blueprint about how it works. Mm-hmm. Because when she comes back to the main roster, and note I said when, yeah, she is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Don't doubt that she's not going to be headlining a night at WrestleMania herself. Mm-hmm. She really took the time to hone in on her craft. And what she's done is she is now a complete 
uh, sports entertainer. She's a complete main eventer. Absolutely. And she now gets it, and it shows in the work. Like, she's put in so much there. I'm super happy to see her there. I don't think they need to call her up right away. I think now with the changing of the guard uh, with NXT, that her and Braun Breaker are going to be the cornerstones mm-hmm. and really build that brand up into must-watch TV. So when they leave, that next generation, <laughs> which is weird saying, mm-hmm. or I should say the next wave of superstars will be coming in to take it over, Yeah, and they're building them up because I think you're going to have that in Roxanne Perez. On the men's side of thing, I'm not sure yet who's going to be doing that, but I think you're or in core J two for the women's division. Core J, yeah. But I think like you're going to have you're going to start seeing that happen now with the men's side of things too. Yeah. But you're seeing it now going with Mandy Rose because she's been there and just the transformation that's happened there, phenomenal. Yeah. No, Mandy Rose has been an awesome thing to see her. You know the improvements and just how good the character has been. You know, and, and I agree with you. It's only a matter of when she's going to get called back up to the main roster, not a matter of if. You know, I'm just trying to look at the schedule ahead for for premium live events, pay-per-views, you know, figure out when it is. Obviously, it's not this next one, Crown Jewel, because that's, you know, that's in two weeks. So that's pretty much all set done. Could be Survivor Series, you know, the end of November, you know, the Survivor Series. War Games. You know, could see it there. You never know. But I think if it's not Survivor Series, bank it Royal Rumble. And I'll say this, if it's, if she doesn't come back up to the main roster, because I could see Toxic Attraction being in Survivor Series. War Games. But it being Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, um, not Mandy. I could see that happening. But I think if, if that is the case, Bank, Mandy being in the Women's Royal Rumble. And I'll say this, she'll be probably one of the final four for the Women's Royal Rumble. I'm not saying she'll win, mm-hmm. but she could be in that Women's Final Four of the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, I will say this. I think you're on to something about her being in the Women's Royal Rumble, and I think she'll be one of the Final Four. I can definitely see that. I don't think, though, they make the appearance at Wolf Games. I think they make it the night after Mania, and here's why. Okay. You now have on the main roster damage control. Yes. Would they have another faction up there? Mm, yeah. That's, you know, like with Toxic Attraction yeah, coming up there. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that happening, but I don't know if they would do that right now. Yeah, nah, maybe not. No, because, I mean, Damage Control is just taking up so much time right now on both shows. Yeah. That I don't think they want to have anybody conflicting where somebody would get lost in the shuffle, so to speak. Yeah. Or not enough, you know, equal time on there. Yeah. I yeah. could see them building up for a feud for that. Like, if they oh, want yeah. if they want to go now, you you think about it, if Damage, if damage Control goes in from heels now until WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And then, like, let's say they get swept from, a, if they're still holding t- titles then. And then a toxic attraction comes up and says, you know what? You had your time. Now it's ours. Then you build an instant storyline between the six of them. And that's perfect. So I think that's where you kind of go over here. I'm all right with that. Uh, and then the last and certainly not least, the main event of the evening was a triple threat match for the NXT championship. And you had a Braun Breaker defend his belt against Ilya Dragunov and JD McDonough uh, winning in 23 minutes and 44 seconds. We talk about the future of the business. Fucking hell. This match Braun Breaker. This match was phenomenal. I need to see uh, Breaker and Dragunov one-on-one. Ooh. I need that. I, this match was perfect, though. I thought they did some very cool things. I'd like to see Braun get tested like this because when he comes up to the main roster, and I think he's going to be a, a an entrant mm-hmm. in the Royal Rumble, I'm going to say oh, that. Oh, yeah. 
I think that this is going to be a very, very big benchmark for him and what he's done in NXT because he's definitely taking on all challengers. He's getting better on the mic. Oh, God, yeah. He's definitely stealing a lot of attention away from the stigma that was 2.0. Mm-hmm. That, okay, for everybody that Vince was really pushing in that era, now you're kind of seeing why this guy is so special. He is quickly becoming, you know, the complete package, so to speak, you know, to talk, you know, baseball, NFL terms, you know, NBA terms, where great in the ring, great on the mic, great presence you know just all about him this guy has got it all and he is very quickly becoming one of the best talents they have on that roster oh absolutely so i think he's got just such a bright future and seeing him in high profile stuff like this is only making him get better Mm -hmm. like i say when they do those eventual call-ups yeah and like i say night after mania could be one you're definitely going to see him definitely be one of those names thrown around and i could see him going there because i know a lot of people have been asking too oh He's now appearing on Monday Night Raw, and then he's in the crowd, and they're showing him. That's that's the old Triple H trick. Yeah, exactly. There's reasons they're doing it, and you know it's about getting the crowd ready. Exactly, because when they bring those wrestlers up to the main roster, they're going to be doing some big things. Mm Mm-hmm. But speaking of the main roster. Yes. Because obviously Halloween Havoc did some things. Uh, a couple notable things were going on this week. Yeah, uh, you had uh, Friday Night SmackDown happen. Not really happen, much happened out of there. You did have uh, Dakota Kai and Io Sky defend their belts against Raquel Rodriguez and Shotzi. Uh, you know, so they retained those belts. Rey Mysterio defeated Ludwig Kaiser uh, in a, the main event on uh, SmackDown, paying homage to the late, the great Eddie Guerrero. Uh, you know, Eddie Guerrero with the chair, the whole chair spot. That, that was funny. Mm-hmm. Rest of it, though, really not a whole lot going on. You know, Logan Paul was on the show. Well, they're hyping up Crown Ghoul. Or, Crown yeah. Jewel. Yeah, sorry, I'm reading too much Scott Snyder, Knight of the Ghoul. Uh, it's one of those situations with him. I mean, he's playing right into the role. He's yeah. definitely making the most of his opportunity when he's on the main roster. Yeah. So it's smart business. It's a shame that Logan has to play the face in this matchup because, God Damn it, he'd make an amazing heel. Oh, it's going to happen. Holy shit. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, and he's going to absolutely thrive in that role. Mm-hmm. But he's providing some entertainment television right now yeah. with him and Roman. Like I think that's been a very interesting back and forth between those two. And like I say, for Crown Jewel, I mean, they need all the viewers they can get with this because yeah. it's always been a throwaway card. We'll talk about that next week on the show. Yep. But it's never been one that has our interest. I think now this might be the first time I actually care about watching that card. Yeah. So we'll kind of have to wait to see how this plays out. But for SmackDown, I mean, there wasn't really a lot to go on. The Liv Morgan thing is kind of interesting how they're making her go crazy. Yeah. So We'll see where that goes, yeah, if anywhere. Yeah, if anywhere, but I'm not fully sold. And I'm not going to say it's tying in with Bray Wyatt, so anybody can stop saying the Wyatt Six family is getting put together. And, right. you know, it's it's her, it's Grayson right. Waller, it's X, Y, and Z. Like, listen, Bray just got back. He's been cutting great promos. That's all we need to worry about with him. Mm-hmm. And then flipping things over to Monday Night Raw, though. Monday Night Raw, though, was phenomenal start to finish. Uh, you had Finn Balor defeat Carl Anderson uh, in the opening matchup of the card. But that's not the thing everyone's talking about, though. Uh, everyone's talking about Rhea Ripley deadlift picking up Luke Gallows and slamming him to the ground. She is amazing. Fucking Christ. She is amazing. Oh, my God. Like, Judgment Day is only relevant because of her. I'm sorry. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. She is stealing TV time away from everybody, and rightfully so, because she is the breakout star of this faction. Mm-hmm. Finn is doing Finn things, but we all know what Finn brings to the table. Yeah. Damian Priest is he's he's, good. He's still there. Like I say, nothing to take away from him, but I think when Rhea is on there, everybody is paying attention to what she's doing, the mannerisms she does things in, especially after that deadlift. She's screaming at Gallows, too sweet me, bro. Too sweet me. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. 
Loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved everything about it. The only thing I did not care for was Dominic, Dominic Mysterio. He's getting very reactive reactions out of the crowd, though. Oh, he is. It's, it's loud. Well, he is kind of falling into that negative heat space. Mm-hmm. And listen, I'm not going to say it's not justified. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I think if anybody should go to NXT from that main roster, it's him. Yeah. I think he needs a lot more work. I agree with you. Being very, very honest about this. I think the comment he made about he's the new Eddie Guerrero was pushing it. Yeah. I mean, I understand what he was you know, trying to do and, and, and such, but I think it's like Dominic is still a project right now. He's not a finished pro wrestler as far as the WWE goes. Right. He needs a lot of work. And I think that the heel heat he's getting now, it's a tough, tough thing to overcome. Can he put the work in? Sure. But I think NXT would have been a much better landing spot for him to do this because I'm telling you right now, he's just getting overshadowed by Rhea. And Rhea's mm-hmm. overshadowing everybody. And that is a very star-studded faction, minus Dominic. The fact that she's now taken off on her own, if when Judgment Day falls apart and she gets back to being a singles wrestler, I don't doubt her taking over her own faction. I could say it. I'm going to be very honest. I think that'd be smart to do. You pair her with like Shotzi and... Yeah. Um, even Liv Morgan, if you want to do something sure. like that, and let them run crazy. See, maybe Cora in there. Yeah, you could if you want to do a call up and just say she's like, you know, I'm I'm sitting here. I've seen how groups have been ran, but I can do a lot better. And watch me go, like perfect. Just everything she's doing on the main roster is absolutely top shelf. But that slam though, mm-hmm. and that wasn't even the biggest story. No. So another one, uh, another segment you had going on was the ongoing segments between Johnny Gargano slash Dexter Loomis and the Miz. You had last week, uh, the Johnny Gargano say, "Hey, Miz, I know why Dexter Loomis is after you, and you know what? You got to tell everyone why it is, or else I'm going to tell them for you." Miz came out and tried to explain, "Hey, listen, here's why. You know, it's it's because I gave the uh, the opportunity to Tommaso Ciampa and not Dexter Loomis, and Dexter Loomis is upset about it." Johnny Gargano comes out, hey, listen, you know, listen, you, first of all, you know, and, and also I've got a note, uh, Miz said, oh, listen, if anyone knows where uh, Champa is, please l- you know, let me know. I haven't seen him since he was abducted by he who shall not be named. You know, please reach out to me on social media if you've seen him. Gargano comes out, hey, stop lying. Mm-hmm. I, I just called uh, Champa, talked to him. He's not missing. He's injured, you know, so you, you really need to stop lying. You need to tell the truth, 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 truth. And and then our truth comes out and yeah. says, hey, listen, you want to tell, tell the truth? Go on, tell me. Back and forth led to a, a match between our truth and the Miz where you had our truth pick up the win, although thanks to a little assistance from uh, Dexter, or I'm sorry, Johnny Gargano. Yes. Johnny Gargano dressed up as Dexter Lewis in the crowd, distracted Miz, helping our truth get the Miz. It's a hilarious segment. You should really look it up if you haven't seen it. Yeah, no, they're definitely doing a lot of fun things there. Johnny Gargano's having fun again. He is. And him and R-Truth, it was a pairing I did not know I needed. Uh-huh. But they played off each other so well. Oh, they did. Yeah, definitely loved what I see in there. Had a uh, matchup between Austin Theory and Mustafa Ali, uh, where you had Theory pick up the win, uh, although you did have the ongoing stuff with Seth Rollins, because Seth Rollins was invited to commentary by Corey Graves. Uh, so they're uh, continuing that ongoing thing between uh, Mustafa Ali and uh, Seth Rollins. I love that. I love that feud. Yeah. Make that happen. I'm, th- I'm here for it. Ali's got to go over, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had almost win in a four-on-one handicap match. I mean, listen, they're building up uh, for Braun versus almost, and I did not realize the height disparity between Braun and almost yeah. until they showed it on screen. Holy fuck! Yeah, you didn't. You nobody thinks about that, but they are playing that off very well. 
Uh, that'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. The fans are seemingly into it, though, just because I know it's been noted online, you know, the, the on Reddit and stuff. The numbers that the segments on YouTube are getting are just monster numbers. Yeah. Pun intended. No, absolutely. Like, I agree with you. Like, the fans are invested about this, which is great. I think this is a smart play for WWE, mm-hmm. and especially for Almost, too. Yeah. Uh, you had Elias defeat Chad Gable, which Elias back to doing Elias things. It's it's weird. Like, I'm happy to see him back just because Ezekiel I just never really connected with. Well, that was such a Vince idea. Yeah, yeah it was. You know, and and I and I get they're referencing it, but, like, it just feels like they're kind of spinning tires with Elias. back. he's doing the same Elias shtick, coming out, trying to play music, getting interrupted. But, you know, and, and the thing with Riddle is interesting just because Riddle keeps wanting to come out and play his bong-os. Yeah. Uh, bong-os with, uh, with Elias, you know, but oh, we're, in a, we're in a band. No, we're not. You know, I, I, I'm trying to like it, but it's it's hard. Here's the thing. Triple H is trying to do a lot. And obviously, you know, Elias was a NXT uh, project at one point. Yeah. So obviously, you know, there there is something to be said there. So that said... I can understand it, but I think it's just a lot that he's just trying to wipe away from the Vince era. Mm-hmm. And the Ezekiel thing, that's a Vince thing. Yeah. Like, you can't say otherwise with that. Uh, you did have a matchup between Baron Corbin, who defeated Johnny Gargano. Uh, this one was a very funny match. Baron Corbin, it's it's interesting. They've paired him with JBL to make him the modern wrestling god. Although, I got to say, JBL, still good on the mic work for the heel heat. Uh, case in point, his promo last week against the state of Oklahoma. Look oh, it up. yeah. Look it up. Uh, but no, this one, this one's very good. You know, Gargano at one point taking JBL's hat and parading around, you know, ringside with it. Hilarious. You know, the thing about Baron Corbin is you can kind of literally plug and play him anywhere. Yes. Like he's almost in that cane role that if you need somebody in a feud, he's a big guy. He can definitely get somebody over mm-hmm. to see him paired with JBL. That's an interesting dynamic. And I'm kind of surprised to see it, but I'm not mad about it. Because you finally got him away from the happy Corbin thing. I wish they did this with uh, Madcap Moss. Yeah. Not with JBL, but with somebody, too. Like, just walk away from that gimmick. Him being the understudy to JBL, I think, can be. they can do a lot of things. Corbin can talk on the mic if they let him go. So that's one situation we got to kind of see moving forward. But this is all win in my book. So I'm oh, definitely absolutely. happy with this. Absolutely. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, you had Bailey defeat Bianca Belair uh, in the main event uh, in 23 minutes and nine seconds, although that's not the big thing everyone's talking about. It is the uh, reemergence, the return of whatever you want to call it, of Nikki Cross. No, not Nikki A.S.H., Nikki Cross. Crazy Nikki Cross. Crazy Nikki. Yeah, I'm here for this. I'm here for this all day. Uh, th- this match was a very good match, and, t- and even the ending, the minute that you saw everybody turn from the outside and see a body jump from the top rope, like mm-hmm. you knew that frog splash or the body press, that was Nikki. And I'm going, oh, wait, wait, she got rid of the mask. We're finally getting back to business. And, mm-hmm. I, and like, listen, I, I applaud her that she was trying to do something different with her character, with the Nikki A.S.H., didn't go through. I mean, that, like I said, that was more of a Vince character. And just for now with the temp in the room with Triple H, the Nikki Cross character done right on the main roster can be amazing. Yeah. So I'm super excited to see it because she did cost Bianca the match, and then she attacked Bailey right after. So she's going to be the wild card that they need up there. Yeah. Now, do I think that they're going to do something like try doing a Sanity 2.0? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah, no, probably not. But I'm all right with just crazy Nikki Cross just showing up on shows and just wreaking havoc. Yeah. I, th- I think this has got a lot of potential. I'll say the matchup also noteworthy because uh, if 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 what I'm looking at is right, and I could be wrong, I could have missed the match. This was Bianca's first singles loss 
since she lost to Becky Lynch back at SummerSlam 2021. Yeah, I could. I think you're right about that. She's she's lost some stuff in house shows and dark matches, but in right. terms of televised, broadcasted stuff, this is her first singles keyword singles, singles. loss since SummerSlam last year. Yeah, so there's which a, is wild. It's crazy to think, but I mean, you talk about the evolution of Bianca and just how, yeah. how amazing she's now become, and this is her first loss in over a year on TV, like it's yeah. wild to think about, but it just goes to show about somebody really putting the work in, really getting over. And obviously this doesn't hurt her at all. No, absolutely not. No. So like I say, this is, this is a perfect feud. And in fact, that they want to do Nikki and Bianca, I could see it. I could see that feud too, but I'm not even doubting it's Bailey and Nikki. They're going to have Ooh. at it. The damage control, like who can get more crazy? Her or EO. Oh Lord have mercy. Like I say, there's some potential now with just Nikki being Nikki. Nikki's got a secret. Yeah, like we're gonna get back to that kind of Nikki. I'm, love I'm, that. I love that Nikki. That Nikki was awesome. And that's what I say, like and Triple H is so smart about it too that he's just really saying, Okay, what did the former regime do and what do I need to do? That's the thing too, is I know my girlfriend Liz Bailey loved that version of Nikki too. And she even asked her when we were watching the other the other week, Oh, where where's Nikki? I go, Well, she's kind of a different character now. The instant this happened, as soon as that clip got posted on wwe's twitter account i sent that to my girlfriend i go she's back yeah oh i know a lot of people are super happy about it and it's just another thing that triple h is trying to do something different like i say everybody tries gimmicks some work some don't yeah so the nikki ash thing ran its course yeah so i'm glad they got rid of it Mm -hmm. and now bringing her back to to crazy nikki who knows what we're gonna get out of this there's a lot of win to be had here but overall i guess final thoughts on the week Great week for WWE. You know, SmackDown probably, I, if we're giving grades, probably the worst out of the three, but that's not, it wasn't even that bad. It's just really nothing really happened out of it. Halloween Havoc was awesome, and, and Monday Night Raw was great. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, Halloween Havoc is the big takeaway. I thought this was, for the future, WWE looked very bright. The fact they did their own solo event, I was happy to see again, too. And Raw was a really solid show from what I've seen. Like I said, can't speak highly enough of Rhea Ripley. I thought just everything she's done with that group. And that match was solid, too, between Finn and Carl Anderson. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, like I say, there's a lot of wind to be taken away from that feud as, as they go into wall games. But I thought SmackDown was just an average show, but that's okay because their average show is still very good. But there's a lot of wrestling to discuss, so if you want even more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out the latest 607 TWS currently out on your favorite podcast platform. And check out at odphpodcast.com under the Parley Points section. A blogs count anywhere I'll have out by the end of the week, I'm hoping to swing. There's a lot of good indie shows going on, so you definitely want to keep your eyes out for that. In the meantime, though, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the current week of the WWE? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First is the local minute. Looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League. That is the uh, name of the uh, league our local Binghamton Black Bears play in. Looking at the standings, there are two divisions. You've got the Continental Division and then the Empire Division. Our Black Bears are in the Empire Division. Currently sitting in first place uh, with a record of, uh, with four games played, record of three wins, uh, uh, one loss. 
no overtime, no overtime. Uh, they are singing of Danbury, Watertown, Delaware, and Elmira. Uh, looking at their schedule from this past week, uh, they had a game on Friday, October 21st, uh, on the road, uh, or excuse me, at home against the Mississippi Seawolves. So they won by the final score of four to three in overtime. Uh, they came back Saturday and lost, however, by the final score of eight to four against the Mississippi Seawolves. Looking ahead to their schedule, they got this upcoming week. Uh, they are on the road uh, for both for Saturday and Sunday. Both games against the Danbury Hat Tricks. Uh, those games are at seven thirty on Friday, seven o'clock uh, Saturday, and then look, they do not return home until uh, Friday, November eleventh. Uh, so on a little bit of a road trip here. Uh, but for more information, tickets, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And sticking with the hockey theme, I got to talk some hockey because I saw this headline and I went, holy shit, that is impressive given the fact that it is the NHL. Mm. Uh, and that is that the Vegas Golden Knights winger Phil Kessel is going to set the NHL record for consecutive games played once he starts tonight. That record? Wow. 990 games played. Holy shit. Okay. He, he will surpass Keith Yandel uh, and uh, Kessel has played uh, for five teams in his 16-year NHL career. He won two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Holy shit, that's impressive. See, when you said he was up there and getting that record, I was like, wait, wow. Like, I, I didn't think him. Uh-huh. But that number? 990 games in a row played. Holy crap. Yeah, it, it's especially considering it's hockey. Yeah. Which is not the easiest of sports to play. Oh, my God. Uh, it's very impressive. Uh, just some other notable Ironman uh, records. You had Cal Ripken Jr. as the baseball Ironman, uh, played 2,632 games consecutively. Uh, in the NBA, it's AC Green who played 1,192 games consecutively, which is fucking insane. Uh, you have the NBA, it's Aja Wilson who is on a sh- uh, currently going streak of her own, uh, 98 games and counting. Uh, in the NFL, it is Brett Favre who played in 299 games uh, straight and 297 consecutive starts. Uh, those are some of the notable ones, but 990. Consecutive games in the NHL, fucking impressive. That's insane. That's freaking wild. Uh huh. Wow. Absolutely freaking insane. Uh, speaking of hockey, I mean, obviously it's still early in the season, but you know, there's a lot of notable headlines going on. Our beloved Rangers, three and two, and you know, yeah, it's still hanging in there. Pittsburgh sitting at the top of the division for now. That does bother me, but you fucking, know, I know Columbus smoked our ass the other night. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? It's still early, so obviously the team is still gelling together. It came out on that hot start, but only six games played. That's nothing to really sneeze about. Boston five and one. Yeah, but like I say, the Sabers. I will give credit to some of our Buffalo hockey fans. They're relishing in the fact that they're four and one. Still early. It's still early, folks. So like, calm down. I mean. Chips aren't handed out in October. Exactly. So just pump the brakes. I understand there's something to be excited about, but like, listen, we'll see where everything pans out at the end of the year. It's Buffalo. It's not like they got anything else going on in that town. Oh, I know, right? No, it's like it's it's a weird synergy that's going on. Like everything's because the Bills are doing good, the Sabers are. <laughs> it's like, listen, the karma goes one way in that town, and it's always through a table. Yeah, it's not through the ice. So, You're not wrong. Yes. Yeah, so like, let's be honest about this, shall we? So, I mean, that's how the Eastern Conference is shaping up in the West. Dallas is out to a hot start, four and one. And then the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. I always hate saying the golden part. Yeah. That always throws me off. It's just too long of a name. Uh, five and two. Mm-hmm. So like I said, hockey is just getting started, so we can't really deep dive into that too much, except it's Blue Shirt Nation all day, every day here. This is true. On the ODPH, like I say, because we will get very, very uh, 
bias in our in our talk with this. Mm-hmm. But team is looking good so far. So the Rangers got a lot of prospects. They're just starting to get gelled together. And like I say, this is kind of how we thought the season was going to start. But it's going to get better as they move on. Flipping things over to the NBA. Okay. Because obviously the season is underway. And, you know, a lot of stuff is still getting panned out. Yeah. Has there been any highlights for you, Pad, that have really jumped out, would you say? The Lakers fucking suck. Yeah. The Lakers are not good. We didn't plan that beforehand, by the way. No, we did not. Uh, 0-3, not the way I think anybody wanted to start. What was the quote LeBron had? I forget if it was yesterday or today. Uh, We couldn't hit the ocean. We couldn't throw a penny into the ocean standing on a dock. It's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. They're they're playing absolutely awful basketball. Uh, Westbrook's got to go. He looks checked out. Like, we talked about um, yeah. Rogers checked out. You know, he looks checked out. Well, and I know there was that clip going around from opening night, you know, because the Lakers-Warriors uh, game was on TNT. Mm-hmm. And I know Barkley was saying, you know, during, during halftime of the game, he's like, oh, they got to trade, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is terrible. And I'm like, all right, that's just Barkley being Barkley. It's like the fucking first game of the season. Uh, we are now, you know, three games into the season. They're 0-3. Yeah, Barkley might have been on to something. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, Barkley says a lot of weird shit, you know, guarantee, you know, Barkley says a lot of shit. I, I'm like, all right, listen, it's the first game. You never know. All right. I was wrong. Barkley was right. Broken clocks right twice a day. Yeah, this is true. Just remember that. Yeah. No, but I got to agree with him on that because who predicted Portland 4-0 out the gate? I know. Wild. Still early, but listen, take the wins where you get them. So they're looking good. Memphis is looking on fire, too. 3-1. Yeah, and San Antonio, Utah, Phoenix, Golden State, and the Clippers, and New Orleans Pelicans pan out the rest of the top yeah. eight in the league. Uh, and the Eastern Conference, though, uh, listen, the number five seed is the only one we care about. <laughs> the New York Knicks are 2-1, and one, baby. Yes, I know they picked up a win last night against the Orlando Magic, although everyone's beating the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I mean, technically they should be 3-0. and oh. They almost took it to Memphis in that overtime thriller to come out the gate. So right now the Knicks look good. And the big takeaway is they're ahead of Brooklyn. This is true. Brooklyn I, one and two. Yep. I will take that all day, every day. I mean, Milwaukee's only played two games. Like that's the one thing I don't understand. They've only played two games. Yeah. The NBA schedule's weird. Yeah, so let's not forget though, the key stat. Ben Simmons has played in three games this season, fouled out in two of them. He has seventeen points total and fourteen fouls this season. Facts. Like I love that stat. That's the only thing you need to know about Brooklyn. Exactly. How are you feeling if you're a Brooklyn fan right now? I know we'll get some angry tweets about that comment, but I don't care. I mean, care. listen, I'll give Brooklyn their credit. Kyrie and Durant played great last night. Yeah. Like 37, 47 points, something like that. But, yeah, yeah, about that that defensive stalwart Ben Simmons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you hate seeing No, you don't hate seeing that. I love to see it. I love seeing that every time. Milwaukee, Boston, Charlotte, Cleveland. Yeah. The Knicks, Washington, Atlanta, and Toronto round out the top eight. A lot of basketball going on, but, you know, it's still early, so... We take the wins as Knicks fans where we can get them. This the is team, true. The team looks good out the gate, so I will take this. Long season to go. That's all we kind of need to say about that. On the Major League Baseball front, we'll just kind of put it like this. Fuck the Astros. Yep, all day, every day. Uh, I will t- I, I, I'll say this. Am I upset? Yes. Am I pissed off? Yes. Will I give the Astros any moniker of credit? Fuck no. If, if it were the Cleveland Guardians beating us. I would give them all the credit in the goddamn world because, hey, they were the better team. They beat us. Mm -hmm. Was Houston a better team? Okay, yes. Did they beat us? Yes. But the fact that you fucking cheated, I cannot, for the remainder of the time that any of those players are on that team, give them any amount of credit. So, no, fuck them. I'm right there with you. I'm sorry. We're not going to be biased about this. 
I can't get down with Houston. I'm not going to say good luck to him. I am am just downloading right now Colin Scott's Dancing on My Own Tiesto Remix because I am cheering for the Phillies the rest of this damn series. I'm I'm rooting for two things. I'm rooting for the Phillies to win and and, uh, uh, Trey Mancini to do well. Yeah. Just because Trey Mancini, listen, no offense to Baltimore, Trey Mancini was in Baltimore for a lot of years and was not doing very well in those years during Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for Trey Mancini to do well because he is a good player and he has been in shit situations for so long. So to finally see him get at least a little bit of that taste of like, hey, you're in the big time, you're in the biggest series of them all, kudos to you, sir. Yeah. So we'll just kind of end the baseball season like this. Uh, Yankees need to fire Aaron Boone. Yeah. He's got to go. Analytics can go right out the door with him. I'm sorry. Cashman's got to go. Cashman's got to go. Because I'm sorry, you spent. If you want to know how we feel about the everything, look up Michael K's rant on the Yes Network post game mm-hmm. after the game. He said nothing wrong. And, and the thing of it is, is the the Yes Network is part is owned by the New York Yankees. So he he basically said, "Hey, you want to fire me? You're going to have to fire me." But I'm thinking he got some of what he said cleared. Boone's got to go. Cashman's got to go. Resign Aaron Judge. Uh, and then figure out what the fuck you're going to do with the bullpen. Because you, you call and a couple starters because Cole and Cortez are good. Past that, I don't trust any of them. And you got to figure out what the fuck you're doing in the bullpen. You got to fix the bullpen. You got to get rid of Aaron Hicks. He's got to go out the door. You got to get some other guys that are just willing to get on base with singles. Right. Well, and, and even, you know, Donaldson, you can let go. Yeah, you, you can know, go. You can move, move LeMahieu to third base full time. Uh, you know, Cabrera, Cabrera can be your bench player because they've got the uh, the guy coming up in the farm system, Anthony Volpe, who's mm-hmm. like their number one rated prospect. He'll be there in May or June. Yeah, you know, so they'll be good at shortstop. You know, you've already you've already got first base figured out with Rizzo. Second base, you've got you've got figured out. You know, but yeah, you're I I'm you know I'm all right with them re-signing Ben Attendi. Ben Attendi was good. He was all right. You know, and then Carpenter, if they want to re-sign him for like a you know a veteran's minimum, sure. I swear to God, if this team is can't, is cursed because of Joey Gallo. I'm gonna be pissed. Listen, fun fact: Joey Gallo had more. Had, uh, Aaron Aaron Judge had more sh- uh, home runs than Joey Gallo had strikeouts, or something like that. It's it's a wild stat. Yeah, I know. And the fact that there's that conspiracy theory now that there's a curse of all players, him. No, yeah. no, We're, we gotta get the ship right. Resign Judge, give him whatever he wants. Just make that deal happen. I know there's talk like he would go somewhere else. I don't see it happening. I'm sorry, I just don't. No team is gonna outbid the Yankees for this. If they're smart. Oh, no, there is. Uh, Joey Gallo almost had as many strikeouts uh, for the year as uh, Aaron Judge had home runs. That says it all, folks. Yep. So, like I say, we will just treat it like this. Keep dancing on your own. Call him Scott. Blare that thing all over the place. Tiesto. Remix. Phillies in six. That or just the that or just the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia soundtrack. That works, too. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I need somebody from Philly to explain this whole Callum Scott thing. Because no, it's like their song, like oh, that they've yeah. been playing. No, it's it's awesome to see. But I'm weird, like, weird shit like that happens. Pirates, it was We Are Family in the seventies. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. You're seeing that Yan- Yankees. It was uh, Empire State of Mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that kind of makes sense. But this one, I, I don't understand. But I'm here for it. In fact, I'm going to be yeah. TikToking all week about it, <laughs> just for Wipad reasons. And uh, I guess we'll just close out. AEW has got a solid card this week. John Moxley taking on Pentas. So that's all you need to know if you want to find out more. Keep it locked to the ODPH social media. When you find out that pad, where? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. So for that, that's all we got for this week. I'm going to go download some music. For the one only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. All day, every day. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.
beat down to the punch Cause they can't bring me 